Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This week we're doing S7 E5, Along Came Mary. Written by Brian Holdman, directed by Norman Buckley. What did you think of this episode? Not too bad. <laughs> Damn Actually, with faint praise. Loved, loved this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like three super strong entries in a row from PLL. I mean, like five episodes in, this is a strong season. My only hesitation on this episode, and it was built into the episode, was just the way it so consistently, like, ended scenes awkwardly. Like, very intentionally, but it just, it left me with this really uneasy feeling after the episode. You know what I mean? Well, and uh, you had mentioned something when we were watching it about it obviously being a double double header. And Mm -hmm. so it's like... You feel that lack of Spencer and Hannah, who presumably were going to come in a big way in the next next episode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but I, and I almost feel like that their, their storylines you got like half. You know what I mean? It was like a like the Caleb placeholder storyline in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, good episode though. Like, and, you know the fucking PLL proposal. I mean, that to me is like so minor in the grand scheme of the episode. It's just, it's always hard. I mean, you know why they do it. You know why they have to do it. But just the fact that that's what they would advertise the episode on. It's weird that they advertise it that way because it's not like she said yes at the end. So I don't don't know exactly what they're going with. But I mean, this episode's definitely like a Mary Drake tour de force. Yeah, she's, again, fantastic in it. Um, And I think think Norman Buckley and Brian Holden really indulged in their future aria you know, vibe that they're going with here. This is, this is Arya's episode more than anyone's, I think. Just even beyond story, just stylistically, like Lucy Hale looks amazing in this episode. I mean, not just like how she looks, but this is really saying something, but I couldn't take my eyes off of her. Like every scene she was in. Was it because she was wearing a cape? The like, kind of like jacket cape thing. Yeah. It's I like mean, a half that, was cape. Of, yeah. that was part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. let's, let's just get in it. Cause the episode rightfully so starts with her. Holding, um, she's standing in front of Allie's house, holding a uh, casserole dish in one hand, like kind of just offhand, like like she's a waitress or something. Where did she bake this? Do you think? Like, it, it, that's such a dubious prospect. That's like that's like a like a dark and scary gothic fan fiction of its own. Aria in a kitchen. Like who's who's the like dining ware? Is she handing off to somebody else here? That's what I yeah. want to know. Is this Lucas's? I feel like Lucas wouldn't even have like cooking ware. I mean, would she even be at her own home long enough to cook something? I, I mean, like Byron walks in and Arya's cooking in the kitchen. And he, is he just like, oh, fuck. What's going on here? Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think, what is the one dish we know she can make? It's some kind of like mac and cheese or something, right? I feel like she's a woman of many talents. When, wasn't when, there, when she needs to, she can probably cook amazingly. That's just Wasn't there something is. in season one when super sophisticated Arya was going to make her man yeah her, yeah i remember that her like special her, mac her and dish cheese. i think she's probably learned how to make something else in the last seven years let's hope so yeah hope so. so yeah anyway we open with her holding this dish in her right hand talking on the phone with emily in her left hand um just briefly the outfit it's some sort of like half cape 
it's it kind of looks like a jacket, but there are no sleeves. It's just like draped over her shoulders. Um, and well, there's there's like cape sleeves. Yeah, I mean, it's like something like a a, a French police inspector would wear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no. It's it's just draped on her shoulder shoulders. It's just sitting there. Um, and then like a kind of like short skirt with like a weird design that looks like it's something out of Star Wars or something. I mean, uh, I never knew how to pronounce this actress's name, but like if Anuka Ami and, and Joan Crawford had a baby and that baby grew up to be like a super chic gothic Egyptian fashion princess, that's yeah. fucking Aria right here in Allison's front yard. Like she looks so out of place, like so majestically, darkly out of place everywhere. It's so cool. Just really cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I sound like Daryl Zero. Uh, all right. So that was our outfit talk. Yeah, she's talking. Fashion to, talk. She's talking to Emily. Says Emily, hey, I thought you might want to stop by Allie's on your way to Hollis. They're releasing her this morning, and and as she she kind of trails off because a Rosewood Police Department cruiser just kind of drives past to kind of let us know that the police are you know around, aware or something is up. And Ari says, I feel kind of conspicuous standing here alone. Great wide shot. We see how tiny little Ari is in front of the House of Secrets. Yeah, she. She sighs and she says, I still feel horrible that I ever believed that she did it. And I honestly can't tell. <laughs> Do you, Aria? I can't tell if she's talking to Emily or leaving a voicemail for most of this. And then a, a car pulls up. Allison's riding shotgun. She gets out and someone else is driving. So Aria wraps it up with, okay, she just got here. So call or text or just come by. Bye. See, I still don't know, to be honest, whether or not that was a voicemail or a real call. It could really go either way if Aria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after the cop car goes by, then a, just a regular sedan pulls up. And we see Allie getting out of the passenger seat. Allie has this uh, wonderful cat shirt on where it's like the entire shirt is like cat eyes and a nose. Um, you just kind of have to see it. Uh, she's just like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. It's a cat's face. Yeah. I just got out of the mental hospital. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So she gets out and Arya says, hey, we tried to get you out. And Allie's like, oh, it's okay. I figured it out. And then we hear the car, the uh, driver's side car door open. And Ari's like, is that Jason? Allie says, no, Jason couldn't make it. And Ari's like, oh, okay, so who? And then she stops because we see who the driver is. It's Mary Drake. Mm-hmm. And Mary kind of casts a glance over at Aria as she's rounding the car here. And Aria just like these huge, like alert anime eyes. Like, oh, shit, Allie, like what's going on? There's, there's so much amazing work done by Lucy Hale and just like, she looks at person A, she glances over at person B, she looks at person A like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, that's that's so much of her performance in this episode, and it's so good. Like, not even with words. Yeah. Um, and Mary Drake's just like, a casserole? Aria, what a thoughtful gesture. Thank you. <laughs> and she, like, comes around, takes a dish from Aria, which just stuns the fuck out of the shusher. And she's just like, just uh, a little something in case Allison doesn't want to cook dinner. And Andrew Parker, she's so imposing. She has this perfect physicality for this role. There's like a cross between like a vampire and a Terminator. Well, so like she's a, like way taller than Lucy Hale. That that helps a lot. Well, who isn't? But yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it would be like a Terminatrix, I, a Vampinatrix. Yeah. Um, oh, she's so amazing. She's just like, like she's just like strutted out of like dark shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like. All, all in black, it should be mentioned with like a, yeah. a high collar. 
uh, like buttoned only at the neck. Like her, her ensemble there is pretty nice. So itself. you can't see where Nosferatu bit her on the neck as a teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we'll have to ask you around sometime soon to repay the kindness. But for now, Allison needs her rest. And I'll, I'll I like Allison. how you're dropping into the low register to hear well, his voice. I, I can't even begin to match mm-hmm. the the majesty and the darkness that the Andrea Parker does of her voice. But like at times, there's like no real inflection to what she says. But like there's something still mm-hmm. there that you can't quite. I don't know. She's good. She's so so good. Yeah. So she's trying to get rid of Ari here, but then Allie's like, "I could use the company," and she kind of has this like defiant look on her face. It's very old school Allie, you know, like challenging. And Mary says, that's what you have me here for. Ari's like, you're staying here? And Mary's like, doctor's orders. Allie says, it's the terms of her release. And Ari is just pondering the hell out of this. Like, how is this even possible? You know, as the audience does as well. And Allie says, Aunt Mary, do you mind if we have a moment? And it's like, it's like Mary knows Allie's challenging her here and conspiring against her. And she just finds it charming. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, how, how cute. Yes, sure. And she says, of course. You know. Mm-hmm. So she goes over to the steps with the casserole and Arya turns to Allie and she's like, what the hell is she doing here? And Allison says, after what happened with Elliot, Welby was concerned that I'd sue. No shit. Uh, so they're doing an internal investigation and she's going to be staying with me until a social worker can review my case. She, yeah, go with that. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, like, you know, Allie's got some money trolls in this episode. Why don't you fucking sue Welby? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, I'm sure. I think you got sure, a case. I'm sure a lawyer would love to take this case. Yeah. The only thing that would hurt her, maybe, maybe, is this is like the second mental hospital she's been directly involved in taking down. <laughs> I don't know. That just means she's uh, she's consistent. You know, she's yeah, she's like uh, she's like a Ralph Nader for like mental health reform. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like, like seriously, this is like. Between these three women, we have like Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, and Olivia de Havilland just chilling on the lawn here, <laughs> glowering at each other. But yeah, Arya gets the fantastic line of, she was helping him in zombie makeup. I like how Arya just cuts right to the heart of it. Like, yeah, remember how she put on zombie makeup to make you crazy? <laughs> and Ali's like, I had to get out of there somehow. It's easier to keep an eye on her here. What's going on with Jenna? Do we know why she was calling Elliot? And Arya's like, Mona's got his burner phone. She's been digging around, but we haven't heard. And then Mary cuts in. She's like, ladies, I'm sorry, but I really must insist. And Ari's like, Allie, do you want me to stay? And Allie says, she's just going to keep acting like a demented den mother if you're here, which I think Allie would know all about having known uh, the Grunewald. Uh, She says, leave me alone with her. I'll get some answers and I'll check in later. Ari's just like, I don't like this. And Allie says, trust me, neither do I. But it's like, hey, Allie Allie with a spine. She's like, fuck this. I'll, I'll, I'll work her for answers. Yeah. Uh, so she goes over to Mary and just kind of has this like very challenging, defiant look as she takes a casserole dish away, dish away from her and goes inside. Mm-hmm. And then Mary, she, you know, kind of stares Arya down and then goes up the stairs inside the door into his house. And then once she's inside the door, she just stares at Arya, very creepily closing the door while she continues to stare the entire time. Yeah. That's uh, great. Well, like, yeah, we're left with tiny Arya there on the lawn watching these two titans of ghoulishness disappear in that spooky house. If you told me this was the start of like the PLO Halloween episode, I totally <laughs> would believe it just on this this opening alone. I almost want them to shoot Mary like like she's never walking, like she's just gliding. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 
like never show her feet. Also, for a second there with the Mary thing, you almost did a Shatner. And then did I, was I? Just, I was just trying to picture William Shatner like playing Mary Drake. What do you all. mean almost did a Shatner? You mean just like in like halting dialogue or it something? Was like, Ladies, I'm sorry, but I really must insist. Hmm, okay. <laughs> Aria, we should really have you over to repay the kindness. I find that curious. I'm sure you do. Uh, well, it's, it's it's just funny to me because you all say the dialogue way too fast. So maybe we're just calibrated differently. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So we get the credits. Who's the shusher? It's Aria. OG the, shusher. The one true shusher. Yeah, the once and future shusher. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Um, so after the credits, we're, we're inside Allison's house. Seemingly moments later. I like that the show's just like, you have some questions. You might think we're going to kick the can down the road. No, we're gonna do this right now. Well, it's how awesome. could you? How could you not have this scene where Allie's like, "What the fuck?" You know? Yeah, yeah. The what the fuck scene, exactly. Uh, it's just Alice and Mary Drake, and now Mary Drake's gonna get real. She's just like, Elliot contacted me in London. He told me about Charlotte that she survived, only to be murdered, and that nearly shattered me. Having my baby given back to me in the same moment she was taken away, Elliot seemed to share my grief in my grief. Well, I got to say, the, the way the scene's shot is just fantastic. Uh, there's this constant kind of ebb and flow in the conversation as we, we move back and forth between these close-up shots and these wide shots and, like, the blocking repositions of characters kind of according to their power, you know, because we start out wide. Allie's dominating the foreground. She's got the kitchen island between her and Mary, and Mary's going to, like, throughout the scene, start to erode that distance. She's going to keep edging closer. Uh, so Mary's, you know, laying out whatever her, you know, excuse is here. Now Allie's just listening quietly. And you see, you can see at the mention of Charlotte's death, like that hits close to home. And then Mary's just but like. You, but you also see when, like later on the scene when Allison takes the power back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no dialogue. This scene is, is fascinating. Also, anytime you have a room full of light, Mary Drake looks fascinating in it because she's just this like column of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then Mary says, could I get a glass of water? And Allie goes to the cabinet to get a glass, and she fills it from the tap. And Allison kind of over her shoulder is saying, Elliot and I had Charlotte in common, too. She turns back to face Mary, and Mary kind of comes closer, holding out her hand for that glass of water. And Allie's like, he sucked me in the same way. And then instead of handing that glass of water over, she just swings her arm around and puts the glass on the counter behind her. Like, no, no water for you. Yeah, Total power move. And she's like, what I don't understand is how you could agree to help a stranger drive another person insane. <laughs> yeah, so Mary's like, Rollins was clever, manipulative, and I was so vulnerable. <laughs> Allie just rolls her eyes like, really, bitch? As we consoled one another, he began to share his suspicions. And she's like, that I killed Charlotte? I did nothing but try and help her. And there's like this kind of affected sense of like uh, Mary being contrite here. And she's like, I didn't know you, Allison, and from my experiences with your mother, and my experiences with your mother made it easy for me to believe that you were cut from the same cloth. And the angles are getting tighter now. Like, she's using this shared love of Charlotte to try to create a connection. Uh, And Allie says, and that's why you thought I deserved to die? And then we, like, bust back to the wider angles now. You know, it's like, you know, push in and pull out. And Mary says, I never agreed to that. He told me that Charlotte wanted wanted me to have her money, and that and that, for me, was justice. But he wanted vengeance. I tried to talk him out of it, but he was intent on taking an eye for an eye. And now I regret ever believing a thing he told me. 
Allie's just taking this all in. She's still pretty suspicious, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as defenses go, it's it's not bad. I mean, like she she doesn't make the mistake of trying to lie or sugarcoat. She just like comes right out and is like, "Yes, I was working with him, but really, he's the bad guy. It's it's actually all Rick and Jessica's fault." Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that it bounces back and forth between the ideas of mothers and sisters when uh, two sisters are not actually sisters after all. And anyway, but like she does, she takes it away from what she did, like mm-hmm. the zombie makeup. She doesn't want to get into that. She wants to get into the emotional quotient. Like you can understand why I would do this. Be blah, 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 blah. Oh, um, it was, it was all, you know, Rick's idea to be evil and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it, and it, and it works. I think Rick deceives me too. The same way he deceives you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ali kind of softens enough to give her that damn glass of water now. And then she kind of walks past Mary into the, the living room, very full of emotions in her head right now. And Mary says, do you know anything else about who he really is? And Allison says, the police know that Elliot, Elliot Rollins is a fake identity, that he wasn't even a real doctor. They're still investigating. And, uh, oh, you know, I did skip a line where Mary yeah, says, yeah, 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 sorry. She says, Allison, I hope that my telling the truth will earn you forgiveness. I have so little family left. I never should have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really laying it on. Uh, but anyway, um, so Mary says, well, it's been quite an emotional morning. Oh, so before we go skip mm-hmm. some more, uh, Allison just stops her, you know, faces her a little uncomfortable, obviously from the way she fidgets a little bit. She says, the police know that Elliot Rollins is a fake identity. Yeah, said that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Mary Drakeness of it all, you guys. Mm, really brought our us. A game to this one. Yeah, she's yeah. really fucking with us. Uh, yeah, Mary says, "Well, it's been quite an emotional morning." Which has it? Uh, I could use a lie down. Which way is the guest room, please? Allison's like, uh, "It's upstairs at the end of the hall." And Mary gets up. She walks past Allison, and Allison kind of pauses, and then. She kind of just throws like a verbal hand grenade after her. She's like, it's an old mattress. I hope you don't find it too uncomfortable. Which like, she says that like it's a dig, but what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah, really. And then Mary Mary's just like, I slept on worse. Peter Hastings. Hashtag Peter Hastings. Yeah, it's funny that we both had that joke. Uh, Mary says, if you don't mind, I think I'll go upstairs now. And she leaves the room and Allie goes over to the counter. It's like, she's kind of finally like, exhaling like after dealing with this you know she can relax a little and and then she does this interesting move where she puts her arms on the counter and as she does this she pulls like her sweatshirt sleeves up a little to let her see the bruises on her forearms from where she was restrained at Welby and she's just like taking it in I I think she did this basically to remind herself like don't be taken in by this woman who looks like my mother and is making maternal overtures of me like remember remember what happened to you you know remember these bruises yeah, I, it's funny in my notes. I mean, you know, given enough time, you become a cliche to yourself. But like maybe every other episode of PLL, the expression verbal hand grenade enters my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny the way the way it'll come up. You know, it's like when someone says, I've got a bad feeling about this in Star Wars. It's just I'll, I'll put randomly like uh, Spencer pulls a pin on a verbal hand grenade and throws it at so-and-so. But here it's it's Allison and Mary. Um, so meanwhile, at Lucas's loft, we pan over. Huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We pan over the coffee table. We see a mostly empty glass of wine, a TV remote, the wine bottle, some gummy bears, large bowl of popcorn, and another empty glass of wine. There is a it, lot of candy on this uh, setup here. 
Like this there's is a like movie a date, right? I mean, there's a Twizzler. There's like a, a one of those like big chocolate bars that's half eaten. There's gummy bears. I mean, uh, there's like these fun and cherry, like a, you know, good and plenty type looking things. I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's a movie night. We don't know what they watched. I know what they watched. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I'm sure will fit in with the general confusing timeline of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Emily Insidious. sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Insidious Nine. Mm-hmm. We uh, pan over to see Emily sleeping on the couch. Someone comes near her, starts rubbing her hair, trying to gently wake her, holding like a fresh cup of coffee near her face. Eventually, opens. Eventually, Emily opens her eyes, looks up. It's Sabrina. Sabrina's- I feel like this is like half of what I really wanted them to do this season was to like just cut to the liars waking up next to somebody like they hooked up. And, like, we just see the aftermath, and it's, like, almost that. But this wasn't exactly a hookup, or at least it doesn't seem like it. Well, and, you know, it, it, the, well, the complaint was, like, why can't Emily have a real love interest? And mm-hmm. it's, like, quite possibly maybe she does. Uh, maybe that person is A. <laughs> maybe Emily will be the one who ruins it. Who knows? Maybe OTP. I don't know. But Sabrina smiles at the adorable sight of early morning Emily, and she's like, morning. <laughs> Emily, who has perfect makeup, of course. In hair, yeah. yeah. I mean, sits up, pleads to find Sabrina there, and she's just like, you're one of those morning people, aren't you? And Sabrina sits on the arm of the couch, and she holds up that cup of coffee for Emily, and she's and Emily says, coffee's a nice touch. And Sabrina says, it's my way of saying sorry. I talked your ear off and kept you up all night. So Emily takes her hand, and she's like, no, I like getting to know you more. And Sabrina says, I talked until you fell asleep. And he's like, I guess I missed my chance for a good night kiss. And then she says, come here. And so she shifts a little on the couch. Sabrina, well, Sabrina at that good night kiss moment, Sabrina's just like bedroom eyes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Sabrina comes and sits by her and she's like, for future reference, I usually talk like that when I'm nervous and when I'm waiting for somebody to make the first move. And Emily's like, challenge accepted. And she touches Sabrina's face, gives her a soft kiss. Sabrina wants more, so she like then touches Emily's face and like goes in for more smooches. Yeah, well, they're they're making out for a bit, only to be cruelly interrupted by Emily's phone beeping here, which of course is way more important to Emily than this makeout session. So she well, just picture the night before, like Sabrina's just like, and then when I was fourteen, <laughs> that's when I slowly realized Emily's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Emily digs around for her phone. She eventually finds it. And uh, Sabrina's kind of watching closely here. And she's like, anything important? And he says, no, just my friends wanted me to meet up in the morning before I can. And then she pauses, like like she just remembered something. And she's like, oh, my God. She jumps up. Sabrina's like, what? And he's like, oh, no. Sabrina's like, what? And Emily's scrambling around to, like, gather all her shit now. She's like, Ugh, my test started 10 minutes ago. And Sabrina's like, okay, what do you need? And Emily's like, just take your time. Finish your coffee. Uh, spare keys in that bowl and just uh, lock up before you leave, okay? And Emily just, like, runs out with her backpack on. And leaving Sabrina just, like, wave at, like, the ghost of her, you know, former presence. Like, just feeling dejectedly, like, bye. <laughs> well, she she bounces out of there. Like, like this is a one-night stand. She wants to broom away. Well, yeah, like I mean, I, I think that must be a little bit what Sabrina's feeling like. Did, did Emily just, like, fake some shit to, to run away? Well, like, yeah, did I did I end up like on a Zac Efron movie or something where I'm about to get dumped? I mean, the nice thing for Emily is if you wake up with perfect hair and perfect makeup, <laughs> you can really, leave. Yeah. Yeah, you can just bounce out of there anytime you want. Yeah, and so Sabrina's probably thinking, like, did I did I get too serious? Like, what's going on? Emily just ran away. Just late for a I, test. Sure. I, I wanted Sabrina to do that thing where she like breathes into her hand and yeah. smells it. <laughs> 
Um, so Ezra's apartment. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, Arya's just chilling at the island, reading the newspaper. The headline Re- is reading the newspaper like a normal adult, real person would do. You know, a yeah. fucking newspaper. Yeah. The headline is local doctor feared missing. So Arya is intently reading this Rollins story. Yeah, there's a picture of Rick there. Uh, the story is two paragraphs long, repeated over and over again. Well, yeah, nice bit of Ipsum Lorem there. Uh, also, this is page B26 of the Rose of Observer. <laughs> Um, right next to the story about Councilman Malone to face charges, which, holy shit, that article is amazing. That article is like just weird gibberish nonsense, yeah. <laughs> it's like you pointed out, it's the architect from The Matrix telling us what's what. It seriously sounds like it was written by the architect, yeah. So uh, she's reading, it's like a very concerned focus here, but then she hears like a jingle of keys out in the hallway. And very quickly she puts the paper down and like pretends to be typing away on her tablet computer right there. As Ezra enters from the door in the background and he makes like a super goofy like oh face when he sees Arya sitting there he's like oh what a surprise I wasn't expecting you uh did Arya basically move in without him realizing it uh you mean uh uh five years earlier or six years earlier when they first met yeah well like is she still paying rent on a place in Boston right now like what are are any of them I mean after Spencer got fired did what is she, what is happening to her apartment I feel like that gives me minor anxiety I don't know do you ever have like a, a weird dream where like you're living somewhere else and you wake up and you're worried that like you still have to pay rent in another place is that just constantly me? or okay. that my stuff is still there yeah constantly mm-hmm. well like where the fuck was Emily living yeah who even knows I feel like Emily was just like like a storage a, unit or something, crashing at a different place every night. Mm-hmm. Um, God, Ezra, Ezra and his just goofy old boy. <laughs> yeah. Ezra just needs to say "who boy" at some point. Yeah, um, she has this great funny look on her face. She keeps typing like she needed to finish whatever her sentence was, and she's just like, "Yeah, I just need a quiet place to work. How was your trip?" And he he sets his bag down. And he's like, "Uh, good, productive." Are you in the middle of a thought? That great, like Ian Harding mm-hmm. inflection. Can I come and give you a proper hello? And she's just like, stop being a goof. Come and give mama some sugar. Oh, no, so- that's not what she does. She gives the expression of the whole episode. I feel like this, she kind of smirks at him and beckons with her finger. This to me feels like pure, like Norman Buckley future Aria here. Like, I feel like this is probably obviously a reference to a movie I just haven't seen or can't remember from the 40s, but. Uh, the way she does this, like it's, I feel like we haven't seen this type of Arya before. It's it's very rare that Arya kind of like owns her power like this. Like this isn't like a like a doe-eyed like who me Arya here. It's this like narrow-eyed like satisfied smile like no hesitation like yeah come give me a kiss. You know, unfortunately the guy she's giving the gesture to is Ezra Fitz. Um, but even so, I, I love this older like confident version of Arya here. Like I I hope we see more of of this future Arya here because. The the expression she gives him to me this is like like emblematic of the whole episode and like Arya's like kind of new more mature mood in it. Mm-hmm. Stop being a goof and give mom some sugar. So he comes over and kisses her, and he's like, "Hello, I missed you." And she's like, "I missed you too." And so he sits beside her, and it's time for them to get a little lovey dovey. But then he gets weird and kind of serious, and he's like, "Something happened while I was away." So she's a little <laughs> bit on edge, like you know, because this is a girl with some secrets and maybe some guilt. And she's like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, I need to get out of town to concentrate on Liam's notes. Uh, but I spent a night in New York. I went to see Nicole's parents. So, and she's like, oh. Well, so, you know, being reminded that he was a predator made him want to go visit the parents of the woman he murdered in a jungle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and he's like, I wanted them to know about us and they needed to know that I'm moving forward of my life and also that I'm going to cash a big fat check based <laughs> on the demise of their daughter. And she's like, yeah, I wonder if he told them about that. She, she's like, yeah, what did they say? And he's like, they were happy for me. And she smiles a little at this. And he's like, I never understood why they were so worried about me. They were the ones who lost their daughter. Well, and Arya is like, uh, yeah, they were just worried that you killed her. <laughs> no, she says, uh, and they didn't want you to be alone. And Ezra's like, yeah, I just didn't know if it would make you uncomfortable. Arya's like, no, I'm glad you went. I'm sure that meant a lot to them. And she's sincere. And he says, and it felt wrong keeping a secret from you. And then he gives her this quick kiss on the forehead, which seems a little condescending. Mm-hmm. Well, so just that's the fanfic right there. Ezra and Nicole's parents, which first of all, that whole gesture is just like Ezra needs to be okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody called him a predator and he needs to erase that. He needs to especially erase that in Arya's world. But like, like, is that just hours and hours of Ezra asking him? Do you guys think I'm a predator? I mean, do I come <laughs> off as predatory? Also, and I don't know if you know this, but I actually didn't kill your daughter. I mean, they're, they're never going to find her body. That's what I'm really saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kiss on the forehead, after he drops the like, oh, it would feel wrong keeping a secret from you. Like, he knows Arya. He knows she keeps secrets. That, to me, just feels like he's just like reclaiming the high ground, you know? <laughs> I mean, I could see, yeah, Ezra knowing Arya, Ezra being Ezra, I could see anytime they're going to part ways for like six hours or more, or if they've come back together after it's been six hours apart, I could see him just being like, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just as a matter of course, yeah. So he gets up to go to the fridge, and Arya's just sitting there mentally cataloging all the massive secrets that she's keeping from him and other people at various times, and and then he's like, so, can you take a break? Tell me what I miss while I was away. And she's like, nothing much, really. Uh, and then she, uh, she, as she says, uh, she hides that newspaper story about Rick under some papers. Uh, it's nice to see their relationship is as healthy as ever. Yeah. Well, she, like, she, she'd already flipped it upside down before. Now she just, like, buries it even. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to find out eventually. Yeah. He's just like, hun, have you seen my, today's paper? And she, like, flings it out the open window. I don't think it got delivered. Well, eventually he's he's like, gonna be I'm like, going to fire that paper boy. Yeah. Eventually he's going to be like, hey, why didn't you mention that Allie's husband was a murderous psycho and like not a real, not a fraud? And she's like, oh, it didn't seem relevant. And who's I, Allie? I feel like Aria is like an adorable, like George Costanza in that regard. Just like, did he? Did he? Huh. <laughs> you know what? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at Hollis. Um, Emily comes running down the corner, down a hallway that looks like a lot like a Rosewood High hallway. Uh, she tries to let herself into a classroom from kinesiology, I can never pronounce that, which is sports medicine. Um, there's a window in the doorway. We can see a teacher like watching over some students during their exam. Then we see that sign in the window, quiet, please, exam in progress. So Emily tries to get in, but the door's locked. So the <laughs> teacher comes over. Were the students will be disappointed? And she just like points to the sign in the window. Disrupted, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, "Hi," and she like she says it like too loud in this hallway. "Hi, no, I know, I'm sorry, I'm so late." But the teacher makes this like, "Shh," she shushes Emily. Yeah. yeah. So she starts to move like she's gonna unlock the door. So Emily steps back like the door is about to swing open, and he's like, "Oh, okay," because she cut, she cuts off what she was saying. But instead, the teacher like locks just it again, drops or- the blinds. I think she's like checking the lock, and then she just like drops the blinds. Uh, in, in your, your fucking, fucking face, face. Emily. 
<laughs> and Emily's just like, wow. She just leans against the wall, just in full, like, fuck my life mode here. Oh, and the, the physical comedy is amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where the further you get away from going to class, the less it even means to you. You know, Emily's yeah. just like, whatever. I'm going to go see what Sabrina's up to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, over at the brew, we see Hannah is stirring her coffee and then she hears some police chatter behind her. And on the radio, we hear, attention all available units, backup requested at Malvern Station, 15 North Warren Avenue, 1124 with possible 1057. And as this is happening, there's this really neat shot. It's all one shot here. Starting on the coffee, like moving up to Hannah and then over her shoulder to look at those cops and then keeps moving over to like, oh, hey, there's Spencer coming in the door. Mm-hmm. And as Spencer comes in the door, she kind of, she sees Hannah and kind of like there's like a knowing glance between them, you know, information communicated. And then Spencer's kind of eavesdropping on the cops as she walks past them. Like all in this one one little shot here. It's so much communicated non-verbally. I love it. Um, it's like you can see that Spencer and Hannah, they, you know, they may have uh, some some rockiness in their relationship. But they the, the Detective Spencer-Hannah combo, I think, is still active. Like they still kind of understand each other on that level. But also it's it's this thing that now floats between all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. It binds them, it separates them at the same time. Also, I think I've, it's like like especially Spencer and Hannah would be oh, yeah. aware of this in the way that Arya and Emily probably wouldn't be. Well, because it brings out even other unspoken edges of the other conflicts between them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think if the Caleb of it all wasn't an issue. I don't even think that frustrated, tired, acting fast Spencer would say shit like, uh, you know, if Hannah knew her left from her right, we wouldn't be doing this or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that that was like she just had to put that dagger in there, that arrow mm-hmm. in the quiver. Also, I believe that that is the uh, same uh, blackballed cop of cla- with glasses. Oh, the one we all see. Yeah, probably. I would not get a good name. Yeah, he should get a name. Yeah. Uh, you know who else we should see at some point? Mm. I feel like you maybe save oh, for finale. Oh, yeah, Barry Maple. Uh, yeah, like pol- police chief Barry Maple. Yeah, yeah. We have not seen him in the flash forward, have we? I don't believe we have. I don't think so at all. I, I we last like saw him in six ten, I think. Well, I think his future is in doubt because of that deleted scene flashback. I choose to believe that didn't happen. It's not mm. canon unless it was in the episode. Mm. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they're. Shooting each other some vibes here, listening in on his cops. The the cops have found the car, if you paid attention to the addresses from the last episode. So Hannah says, does that mean they found Rollins' car? And Spencer says, yeah, and 1124 is an abandoned vehicle. Because, <laughs> of course, she knows that. The other code is for missing persons. Hannah says, yeah, except he's not missing. Spencer says, uh, well, that's the way they're playing it. Did you see that article buried in the back of the paper? The cops are withholding details. Sorry, side note. I am absolutely positive during that phantom two weeks that Toby was off in uh, Harrisburg becoming a real-life police. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he had a hard time at the academy. You know, there's like a fucking Gutenberg there. There was what, a guy who academy. Sound- the guy kept making sound effects, and I'm sure, like, like Toby's, like, texting Spencer, like, Spencer, I'm having a hard time memorizing all of this. And Spencer's just like, I'll help you study with your police codes through sexting. I think you have a much higher opinion of Toby's police training than I do. I'm pretty sure it was just, like, a three-hour online course with multiple-choice questions. <laughs> Basically, like, some kind of rent-a-cop thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure part of it was, like, like a little like flash animation, like alleyway where like like cops and like good guys would show up, and you have to click on like the uh, wait wait. The bad so you're guy. saying 
he was basically at like some like 1980s arcade game. Yeah. yeah where he just has to <laughs> click on the bad guy and like choose who to shoot. I'm sure that that was his like uh, his test for, you know, firearms. Well, punk, do you feel lucky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, where were we? Cops are withholding says, details. Yeah, and it yeah. says, does this mean that we're screwed? <laughs> and so it just says, no, actually. It means that they think that he's alive and on the run, which means that we're, they're putting together the pieces exactly how we want them to. So Hannah takes her coffee over to the liar's nook. Spencer follows. Um, Spencer's, you know, hey, just keep your head down. She says, everything's going to be fine. So Hannah sits and Spencer stands over there. Um, so now that the business is out of the way, business at hand, things can get awkward again. Uh, Hannah has some papers laid out in front of her. She also has what I thought was a laptop, but much like her doppelganger, Aria, it's a tablet hooked up to a keyboard thing. Um, yeah, well, you can just see Hannah's shoulders are all scrunched up, like very tense. You know, like once the liar business is out of the way, it's like, uh-oh, now, now what? Now Caleb is just hovering, you know, the ghost of him between us. And Spencer says, what are you working on? And she kind of sits on the arm of the chair. And you can tell Hannah's like not really sure how to react to Spencer right now. But she's going to try. And she says, um, business plan. Lucas wants it by tomorrow. And <laughs> whatever. Uh, and then Hannah's cell phone beeps. And she checks it. And she's like, it's Aria. She said Mona found something on Elliot's burner phone. Um, Yeah, the people who were like, oh, what if the... Okay, so some people sarcastic are like, what if the, the, the PLL proposal was like Lucas proposing to Hannah... And they were like, ha, 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 wouldn't that be horrible? Yes, it would. That, but there that just some, wouldn't, that'd be creepy. It, but there yeah. were some people who were like, that would be wonderful. I, I don't, like, Ooh. you can't go from like platonic relationship to marriage that fast. You know, <laughs> like you need something in between. Yeah. I don't think Lucas is that ugh, rich. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that rich enough to be arrogant enough to think that he could make that happen. Because I mean. Like in that kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey, like transactional. Well, if Lucas is supposedly some smarty pants that we've never seen, you know, in the text before, I think even he would know that like, no, this is is a bad idea. I would love to think that he's just like great gatsbying us. It's all phony, artificial wealth. It's just like working for the mob. Yeah. Or that Um, or he's like, he'll create a fake website with a fake news article, like fake Bloomberg about how his business is so successful. And then he'll like post that link on his Facebook page. So you're saying he's millennial Donald Trump then? Yes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> at that mention of the burner phone, we're going to hard cut to Arya holding Rick's burner phone in the loft. Uh, she's giving a status update to Emily here. And I'm, I'm guessing the reason that Spencer and Hannah are so separate here is because they uh, shot this episode, the next one, like at the same time. And so it's like, you can't have all the liars together if you're shooting that much at once. And so it's like, oh, we're going to have a lot of like uh, Hannah Spencer scenes and a lot of Arya Emily scenes. Yep. Uh, so uh, Arya's reading. She says, there's a location beside the, the car where Roland's used his, his phone a lot. And Emily says, well, did she say where it was? And Arya says, no, I guess it's hard to trace. Mona said that it might take a while. And Arya's just like tapping away on this little flip phone here, which I guess is she like texting Mona through the burner phone? I don't know if she texts him on or if she's just doing her own search. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Emily's like, okay, what else? And Ari says, well, she recovered his deleted texts and found this. And then she shows Emily his screen. We see it's a text from uh, 555-0171. And the text says, Allison didn't kill Charlotte. And Emily's like, wait a minute. So Rollins knew that Allie didn't kill Charlotte? And Ari says, he sent that the night he took Allison out of Welby. And Emily's like, okay. 
If this text means what I think it means, then Arius says uh, he wasn't taking Allison somewhere to kill her, which is a huge jump to conclusions. Like, what the fuck else was he doing with her? Yeah. Like, he could have just been killing her for other reasons, you know? Well, I mean, it's it's PLL. He might have been driving her to the lake with a shovel in his own trunk so he could tell her <laughs> what this is all about. Four shovels, yeah. 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 Um, so Emily's like, I thought we were the ones who helped convince him Allie did it. Do we know who, who he sent this to? And Emily hands the phone back to the shisher. And she's like, no, there's no names in the contact list. And Mona thinks that the number probably belongs to another burner phone. I mean, how much do you want to bet that that number belongs to Jenna? It's not fair that they keep mentioning Mona and she's not in this episode. Maybe she's in the next one. Also, I'm going to assume that the next one has a lot of scenes in Spencer's barn. Um, and Emily's like, why would Jenna actually care who killed Charlotte? Which is a good question. And Arya's like, I don't know. And Emily's like, well, how did he know that Allie didn't do it? And Arya's uh, like, still don't know. <laughs> yeah. And he can't tell us now, can he? So Emily makes a face and Arya looks over that burner phone sitting there on the coffee table. Hmm. Well, this is one of those scenes that just it ends weirdly. Emily's just kind of like, wah, sad face. And then we just like look over at the burner phone, burner phone next to Arya, and there's like this kind of stinger drama chord on the soundtrack, and then it just goes to commercial. It's like it's a very awkward way to end the scene. And I, you know, we we see Norbeck episodes. He knows what he's doing. This is intentional. And it just this whole episode has scenes like that where you just kind of feel uneasy at the end of them. You know, you're like, it's like you don't really know exactly how to take what you've just been presented. Um, we're gonna I see that repeated throughout the episode. I don't think other shows – and I could be wrong. I'm sure someone could give me like 100,000 uh, examples, mm-hmm. preferably other than just Mr. Robot. But I don't think other shows stylistically are willing to show you how awkward and uncomfortable characters are mm. like in the way the show is presented. Now you want to talk about Mr. Robot. Um, <laughs> I just think – I mean the whole the whole show is based on that kind of – Nature. I mean, stylistically. Whereas PLL, it's like, like you said, it'll end on this sour note, this weird foreshadowing to something, uh, which is totally true to where the liars are narratively. But other shows, it would still, it would still do it in a much more glossy and somehow more generic way. Well, they, they would say it in dialogue because I mean, mo- most shows are based around like audio as the primary, you know, communication medium. That's yeah. just how TV works. Um, but yeah, it's. It, we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to point it out when it happens throughout the episode because it happens in a lot of scenes where it just this, it just kind of ends like on a, like a flat note where you're like, huh. Yeah. Um, so at the commercial, it's later. Emily's letting Allie into Lucas's loft here, and she says, "I would have been there this morning, but I overslept late night." And they walk over to the couch, and we see as they walk over that Arya's like in the background of the shot. The she's phone? like. She's like standing there, like facing away. Her like legs are planted in front of a window. She's just looking out. It's a, interesting that she's just back there, like doing this like weird Vogue pose. I think she's on the phone. She could be, but I mean, it's far enough away that you can't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think Emily's like, oh, Allison's coming up. Do you want to talk to her? And Ari's like, no, I, I have uh, some poses to practice still. Wouldn't she though? Maybe. I mean, that's Aria. You still owe me 15 minutes of poses. It's not an accident that she's standing there in the scene. You know, that was a decision. Do you Uh, feel like Pictunia is going to make an appearance in the podcast every episode in season seven? I hope so. Haven't we cut to Pictunia like once every episode at least? Oh, it's all that's relevant. True. I just want to see Arya make Pictunia talk. That's all I want in life. 
Well, not Hollywood, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Allison says, shit at the bar. And Emily says, no, I had a date. And Emily's like, or I'm sorry, Allison says, uh, didn't know you're seeing anyone. And Emily's like, yeah, it's new. And she has like a really terrible poker face here. But before things can get awkward, Aria comes marching over to talk to Allie. And she's like, okay, 23 Wexford Street, apartment 109. And Emily's like, we're supposed to recognize that? And Ari says, I thought maybe Allie would. Mona said that's where Rollins used his burner. And Allie says, maybe, but that's not where he lived. He rented a guest cottage in town. Old stone carriage house somebody converted. I thought it was so romantic. Which I, I like that line because we realize how much Allie really does share with Arya. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they would both find an old stone carriage house converted. Very romantic. But also the bitterness the the naivete the way that 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 those parts of her were played against herself. Oh, I think Allie recognizes that. I'm not totally sure that. Oh Allie no, 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 recognizes no, no. But I mean, that. I mean, that's 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 Allison's whole line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is how that fake bullshit was just thrown right back in my face. That whole housewife thing that everyone hated that I did for mm-hmm. a season and a half. Yeah. So Emily's like, so Rollins had a burner phone and a burner apartment? And Emily is super pleased with having come up with that one. Emily is going to be like hashtag burner apartment in it, like the rest of the episode. She's she's really trying to make burner apartment happen in this yes. episode. <laughs> Emily, stop trying to make burner apartment happen. <laughs> in my day, we called it a safe house. And it was cool. Yeah. Uh, so Allie's like, uh, nothing he told me was true. Not where he lived, what his name was, where he was from. She's getting angry just thinking about it. And for some reason, Emily's just like, I'd like to pour cold water on your righteous fury here. She's like, Allie, Rollins wasn't trying to kill you that night. At least we don't think so anymore. I just want Allie to be like, you know what, Emily? I don't really care what you think. Yeah. Uh, Emily kind of looks at Arya, and Arya just has this look like, leave me the fuck out of this, you know? Oh, it's, but it's like, it's like, like just adorable though. It's like mm-hmm. so like innocent at sea. Oh, she's so fantastic in this. Um, and Allison's like, that doesn't make him any less of an ass. Awkward pause. Well, and then Arya Charles. shoots Emily a look, basically just like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, Allison, you know, she recovers. She's like, all right, we don't know who he is texting, do we? And Arya's like, I vote Jenna. She's definitely a liar and we're voting on things now. <laughs> but is she a pretty little liar? Uh, and Emily says, my guess is Mary Drake. And Allison says, yeah, according, to her, <laughs> according to her story, she bailed when things got murdery. murdery. And Ari's like, and you believe Mary? And Allison's like, believe her? Maybe not. Trust her? Not yet. Uh, or, I'm sorry, maybe. And then trust her? Not yet. Uh, and Emily says, maybe we should go to this burner apartment. You know, maybe then we could find out who was texting. From the and, burner apartment. Yeah, from the burner apartment. And Allie's like, yeah, and who this person is that thought I killed Charlotte. <laughs> and she's like, hey, Allie, you're, they took a vote. You're looking at him. <laughs> and Ari's just like, great idea, but we can't. Hannah said it sounds like the police found the car, so maybe they've already figured out who Rollins really is. Arya is actually right here. Because um, she's a. Yeah, which is funny considering the dirty fucking look Emily gives her. <laughs> yeah. And he says, well, so then we need to get there right, you know, before the cops do. Uh, and Allie's like, no, Arya's right. If the cops find out, they could tie us to this disappearance. And he's like, so we do nothing? Like, she's just getting pissy now. She sits down. And Allie's like, it's too risky, Em. And they all just kind of sit there, like, chewing their cheeks, contemplating. And Allie's just like, God, all those lies I told. You think I would have seen Elliot coming from a mile away. Uh, and 
Emily and Arya, they, they don't really know what to say to that because uh, she doesn't see what's coming from three feet away. Well, and uh, it's funny because Arya is dating Ezra, so who knows what the hell is about to drop on her like a ton of bricks. And uh, you think that Sabrina's A, so. <laughs> this is where Arya needs to drop a, Ellie, Rick wasn't a bad guy. <laughs> He's just too romantic. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if we mentioned I, I wanted to. To, I don't know if we did at the beginning. Uh, the, the title of the episode comes from a song by the association. Um, I mean, it's not an Along Came Polly reference? I don't think so. <laughs> really? you got to get in on that Jennifer Aniston PSH comedy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I had a thought somewhere in there, and I, I <laughs> totally lost. Oh, I was going to say, this episode really deals out a mean, juicy hand in the uh, like PLL caption reaction game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I don't know, like how many like weird freeze frames that you screen cap, but I have so many. Just like especially with Emily alone, just the weird looks Emily gives people. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. Um, so now we get the super exciting scene where Allison goes to the ATM. It's like an well, this outdoor- is the this is the official Rosewood ATM of choice when you want to have a public freakout about your cash flow. As you do, yeah. Uh, this is the Combat Bank ATM, which is also somehow in suburbia because you can see the houses behind it. So Allison. She goes up to the thing after a guy leaves, puts her card in, punches in her PIN number. Super exciting stuff. She tries to withdraw some fast cash. Can't because her account's been frozen due to yeah, insufficient try, funds. Tries to take 100 out. No yeah. dice. Yeah. Um, Do you use ATMs? Yeah. No. I was, uh, yeah. No. I, I, I am not one of those people who proudly proclaims, I don't ever have cash on me. I like to have some cash in my wallet just in I case. I never have cash on me. But I don't like touch it because money's <laughs> filthy. I feel like the only time I use an ATM is like every three months. I feel like buying a lottery ticket. Um, anyway. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about that. That's just sadness because I don't win. Is it like superstitious? I didn't think you were the kind of guy that had rituals. No, it's more like when it gets fucking huge, I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I mean, I don't buy them regularly. That's what she said. Yeah. Um, so Allison tries her card and pin again. Same thing. And she's like, oh, shit. And then she's like, oh, that motherfucker. Um, and the chicken line behind her is just like, God, can't this bitch go any faster? Well, you get a cool shot. Like, seemingly the camera's like on top of the ATM looking down at Allie. And, like, looming closer. She's realizing with horror and anger that she's fucking broke. Uh, it's really too bad Ashley Marin still doesn't work at a bank. Like, I'm sure there's like a safety deposit box stash. I could just like smuggle out to Allie in a lasagna box right now. Just be like, I got you covered, girl. I just, I want that scene where it's them in the uh, the vault and they're both turning <laughs> their keys at the same time, but Ashley has a glass of wine in hand for some reason. <laughs> She's like, I don't even work here anymore. <laughs> um, so back at Ezra's apartment, Ari lets herself in. The place is empty and she's just like, Ezra? No response. She walks Ezra. over. Ezra. Sorry. Just flashing back, someone who's about to make a, a little bit of an appearance. Yeah, so she goes over to the laptop uh, where there's a note waiting for her. Uh, it says, errands. Hope this helps you get some work done. And there's an what arrow on the note pointing the coffee machine. What kind of errands do you think Ezra's running? Well, Are they, like getting his oil changed? What kind of errands would you go run in which you don't take your fucking phone with you? Seriously, who who is that monster? Well, but so when you first watched this, though, didn't you think? I know I did. Like, ooh, Ezra's got a burner phone too. <laughs> Could like, be. Well, you know what I was thinking uh, is, is Nicole his burner girlfriend. Well, I was thinking about errands, and it reminded me that Ezra owns a coffee shop, theoretically, and it reminded me that Sabrina runs that coffee shop. And then I'm uh, just thinking about how 
at the start of the the five years forward, Sabrina is kind of uh, like protecting her her boss slash owner. Mm-hmm. You know, not gonna let this sketchy chick who she's heard stories about get into you know her boss's shit. And now they're like dating again, and like now it's really fucking awkward. She's yeah. just like, great. Oh, you're dating her now. Wonderful. Thanks. Oh, I I would love to know like an unprotected moment of what uh, Sabrina really thinks of Ezra. Because Ezra, like the first time we we encountered Sabrina was through Ezra saying something shitty about her <laughs> to Spencer. But like, it's funny is that Emily. The last time Emily ever really like addressed what people should think of Ezra was when she like told him off, like "You're not my fucking teacher, you son of a bitch." Um, in that classroom, some of us have real problems, Emily. But like, the only other time we've ever really gotten like an employee's perspective on Ezra was when Talia was like, "Buns, mm-hmm. <laughs> look at them sweet buns." Or oh, whatever. Talia, um, who I kind of miss in a way. But uh, do you? A little bit. I liked. I liked Talia. What was her awful extent. line from uh, True Detective? I don't even remember. It, oh, it was everything is fucking. That was that was her line. She played a prostitute. That's, that's yeah. um, who mm-hmm. didn't on True Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, chew on that philosophy. Yeah. Uh, what if Sabrina was Talia? Like, what if she was just here for longer? I don't know. Anyway. What's happening in this scene? There's there's a <laughs> phone ringing, like, like well, so faintly coffee. ringing. Yeah. yeah, Ari goes to get her coffee, but there's like a phone kind of faintly ringing from somewhere. She kind of tracks down the location. She puts her coffee down. It's coming from inside Ezra's back because he just like left his phone in there, like a weirdo. Even though he went to run errands, why would he have his phone in his bag to begin with? I don't know. Um, but she pulls the phone out and sees the contact info on who's calling, and it's Nicole. Like I just says Nicole, not like her last name. Um, and it's we also see like the photo, you know, the contact photo. It's like, oh, there's Ezra with his arms around and smiling, you know, happy Nicole. So, yeah, we know who this is, you know, theoretically calling. Uh, and then Arya kind of nervously answers the call. She's like, hello. And we can hear some background noise. There's like kind of like people chattering. It seems like it's outdoors somewhere. There's some Spanish language music playing. And Arya's just like, Nicole, is that you? Hello? And uh, there's no answer. It's it's like somebody just like butt dialed Ezra from a market in Medellin or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a beat, Arya just like hangs out the phone. She's like stunned, freaked out. And uh, then we kind of hear her talking as we uh, cut to sometime later. Uh, she's talking on the phone with Emily, and she says, "There is no explanation that I can think of for a ghost with an international calling plan." I can think of a few explanations. Oh man, Arya's mouth just opens, and those mm-hmm. those gems just tumble out. Oh, yeah, the main two possibilities here. Number one, like somebody has Nicole's stolen phone and like called the number. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's Nicole herself calling and she was rendered speechless when another woman answered. Well, especially that woman. That, do you think she'd remember Arya's voice? I, Is that I, burned in her mind? I, I think maybe. I mean, I think all of us have. The mysterious Ezra? girl with the real lyrical name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure. Because, I mean, also, I'm just going to assume that Ostinato is in some way about Arya. I I think you could make the argument maybe it's about his family, but I feel like Arya becomes a part of it. So I'm sure in a way Nicole was living with the ghost of Arya in that relationship. I feel like this is the exact conversation Ezra's had with Nicole at some point. Oh, without a doubt. But yeah. uh, 
I don't, we didn't really say it in that previous conversation, but uh, there's some there's some vibes here that Ezra could in this episode for sure, right? I'm sorry, you cut out there. Ezra could what? Be a. Is there? I can't I take like... Ezra seriously as a. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but you could Sabrina though. Yeah. Okay. I guess I just I just I, I don't think they'll go that direction. I I don't think it, would it really be satisfying. I mean, there's the whole like you know ultimate villain aspect, but I don't feel like he's shown a competency level. I um, mean, like Sabrina or not Sabrina, uh, Cece slash Charlotte just like played that dude for a fucking fool. She got paid to be a for Ezra. True. True. I I kind of wonder if we're gonna get like another pit stop of like Ezra being the red herring again. Well, yeah, you never know. When um, <laughs> it's revealed that the circumstances of Nicole's disappearance are not exactly what was reported, I could see well, that. And it's fascinating too to think that like all of the shit they have to figure out with like uh, Rick and Mary and AD and and Charlotte. It's like in those fifteen episodes, somewhere Nicole still fits in. There's a lot on the plate still here. There's a lot in this buffet. Um, yeah, so we hear the sound of ice being shaken up on the other side of this phone call. Man, we're really jumping around. Uh, ice being shaken up on the other side of this phone call, and uh, as Ari talks to Emily, and she's like, what's that sound? We see that Emily's in Lucas's loft. Great shot, like, looking down on Emily with all of her bartender fixings on the uh, table in front of her. She's got a shaker doing that whole thing there's a bowl of eggs nearby laptop open showing her like articles and youtube videos on how to be a bartender and she says practicing my pisco sour i can't get my egg whites to froth why don't you just come over we'll do we'll day drink until you calm down i think she actually says she can't get her egg whites to froth okay. she's canadian yeah eggs <laughs> i actually never noticed that and i also see people online joking about it mm. I don't know. uh i guess i just like a mixologist hear- or something I just don't ever hear Emily say, like, Spencer, what's that a boot? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, isn't that what she's basically trying to do here is her mixology? Yeah. Uh, yeah, why don't you just come over? We'll day drink until you calm down. <laughs> Which is, like, the greatest thing Emily has ever said. Yeah. Five yeah. years forward, Emily is kind of great, I think. I mean, definitely the the physical comedy's been ramped up. But, uh, man, yeah. So Ari's like, that's actually not a bad idea. No, just tell me what to do. And he's like, Arya, Nicole is dead, okay? They had a funeral for her. The case is officially closed. Says the girl who was in love with Allison who had a funeral. (laughs) And he's like, uh, and you obviously can't tell Ezra. What good would it do? And then she pauses and gets like no pushback from Arya on this absolutely terrible advice. So she's just going to continue. And she says, you know, the same thing happened about three months after my dad died. Nari's like, did you freak out? And he's like, no, but my mom did. She sent out boxes of clothing and things to my cousin. He was in a flood and lost almost everything. Uh, my dad's phone ended up in one of the boxes, and without thinking about it, my cousin used my dad's phone to call my mom. And Ari's listening to all this and kind of pacing in Ezra's place, like occasionally glancing at you know his suspicious phone here. And she's like, and it looked like your dad was calling her. Uh and well, it's a phone call like yeah. they're on the phone but emily nods her head okay yeah, yeah was, that's what it was it, it, they're on a phone call but emily nods in response to art to aria's comment here like like aria can see her yeah 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 so aria sighs and she's just like i'll delete the call 
And I was like, I think it's for the best. And so Arya says bye and hangs up. And then she deletes the colonizer's phone, which is what she wants to do anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you for giving her the path of least resistance. I really wanted like the uh, the rest of development narrator there. Or it's just like, I'll delete the call. And he's like, I think it's for the best. And the narrator's like, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she says bye. And we get this uh, kind of wide shot where Arya's kind of framed head to toe in front of the window blinds in Ezra's place. And she kind of beeps and boops on the phone, and the call is erased. Good work, Arya. I'm sure the police and the FBI and all the other alphabet agencies, they wouldn't care about a phone call from a missing person's phone. Nope. That wouldn't be relevant at all. Nope. Emily thinks she's, like, helping by relaying her wisdom from her dad's death here, but, like, your dad died. He didn't disappear under suspicious circumstances yeah. Yeah. with no body found. Like, what the fuck? Like, these two. <sighs> these fucking two. It's I mean, like, come on, Emily. Like, yes, Arya's looking for the path of least resistance, but like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? What terrible advice. You never enable the shusher. But also, it's like Emily's not even aware about femicide rising. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, what completely fucking terrible advice. <laughs> it's it's so heinous, and yet it's just glossed over. I mean, I, I think it's obviously gonna come back later, you know. Well. Much like the Australian girl who mm-hmm. leaves the dirt in her hair. Yeah. I like that we're always just like, she still has like the fucking muck and the dirt all about her as she walks back into the brew. Of course um, she so, does. Yeah. So Ari's gone. Emily drinks, then makes a face because this drink is not working for her. And then oh, she she's gets just like, mm, nope. Yeah. Pisco sour. Uh, she gets an email notification on her laptop and she's like, hmm. We see that's an email from the Hollis College Health Sciences Department concerning her kinesiology opt out exam, of which she got a 92% on. And it's going on her transcript effective immediately. And Ellie's like, what the fuck? And then she gets a text notification on her laptop and it says, thank me later, ungrateful bitch, AD. <laughs> she's so startled. She jumps out of her chair. She actually jumps out of her chair. I love it. Well, now, at this point, they think AD is dead. They thought yeah. it was Rick. And yeah, here's A. This is a classic A move, like the fake test score for leverage. Mm-hmm. Did did uh, did maybe Ella run over to the college to take the test for Emily? That'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I uh, I mean, somebody pointed out. Yeah, yeah, the liars get themselves in their own shit. They don't need AD like blackmailing them, doing whatever. And it's absolutely true. I still like it. <laughs> well, the the key with A is always just that little extra push. Well, and and. Doing things that they want anyway. That they want in the short term that's going to like fuck them over in the long term. Yeah. I mean like in like Hitchcock terms, that's the juicy thing about Strangers on a Train when like uh, uh, Bruno kills Guy's wife. I mean it's horrific but there's a small part of Guy that wants it. Um, So meanwhile at the brew in the liar's nook. Hannah is still like presumably working away in her business plan, which I'm sure is entertaining. Um, Just imagine like just watching her type with that tiny fucking like like iPad keyboard. It just makes me think of like are the RS all of the uh, RSI she's getting right now. Like who who works on one of those? I'm just thinking of like Lucas's like shitty condescending response to whatever her business plan is. Like Mm -hmm. Hannah, you can't put gifts in a business plan. And she gets a message on her laptop that Spencer Hastings is requesting a video chat. So Spencer, you know, she accepts it, pops on the screen, FaceTiming from her car. And Hannah's like, hey, Spence. 
And Spencer just looks like she doesn't want to have to have this conversation. She's like, I'm <laughs> but sorry. But she's going to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I really hate to bug you with this, but I've been trying to find Caleb. He hasn't been returning messages or calls from the past couple of days. And Hannah's like, are you at the state park? Which well, the, the look Hannah this. gives where she like, she hears this and she just kind of looks off. Like she's just summoning the patience of a saint. To like deal with this super awkward request, yeah. Well, just she's like she's yeah bending over herself and her own interests to be a good friend, and Spencer's like yeah, excuse me. So we cut back and forth between Spencer in her car talking on her phone and Hannah in the brew. Well, side note: nobody under fifty ever FaceTimes her friend like ever. Um, trying to remember who was the first person. The first person I think who ever gave me a good review of like what became FaceTime, I think was you. You're talking about FaceTiming of a friend, and you said. How did you put it? You get to see the exact moment when you're tired of looking at another human being. See, that wasn't even FaceTime. That was just like video chat on it. But computer. it was like the but yeah, same thing. App. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah's like, did you drive to the, the parking lot, like the lower campground? That's the one that uh, Caleb likes. And so there's like, yeah, I tried there. I tried the trail like hunt that like leads at the leads trail and head, ends yeah. at the falls. Yeah. In the bait and tackle shop too, she says sarcastically. And Hannah's like, well, you can try the ranger station. I mean, he'd have a day pass if he's camping there. And then Hannah looks up and sees, oh, shit, the fucking Jenna thing outside the door in the brew talking on the phone. So Spencer, mind you, just sees Hannah's upset but also bewildered face on this video chat. Yeah, she's like, Hannah? So Hannah Hannah lifts up the tablet, flips the camera around, showing Spencer the footage of the motherfucking Jenna thing. Yeah, and she's like whispering. She's like, do you see this? She's still here. I mean, what has it been, like a day or two? I don't know. Spencer says, yeah, follow her. We have no idea why she's back in town or why she called Ron's phone. I really love the idea of like Hannah just running around as Spencer's telepresence vehicle. Yes. And like Spencer's just like sleuthing from home. (laughs) Or... Speaking of rest development, they bring back in Super Dave as the uh, as the George Senior <laughs> telepresence, but it's Spencer. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, it's been a couple of days, I think. Anyway, so yeah, Spencer's this follower, and Hannah's like, if she was really working with Rollins, we can't risk Jenna figuring out that we're onto her. And so she says, she can't see you following her. It's not <laughs> like she has working eyes in the back of her head. LOL. Are you sure, Spencer? <laughs> Yeah, Hannah says, I'm talking about the cops. Me acting normal doesn't include tiptoeing around behind a girl with a big white cane. Actually. Doesn't it, though? It does. Yeah. I mean, since her rolls, tries not to roll her eyes, but you can tell even she's thinking, like, yeah, it does. <laughs> she's like, that's classic Hannah. Yeah. Uh, Hannah says, I think I have another way to check up on Hannah. Ranger Station, go. I'll call you if any- I find anything. And Spencer's just like, okay, thank you. She hangs up. I really want the liars to work Ranger Station, go into, like, their regular vernacular now. <laughs> Ranger Station, go! Mm-hmm. I want to hear Arya say it. But uh, there's a nice little like uh, meta mix up there. Uh, Hannah saying, I think I have another way to check up on Hannah. <laughs> oh, did I? There you go. It's it's juicy. Mm-hmm. Um, so again... Check up on Jenna, yeah. Yeah, again, poor Spencer has to go out into the woods to find another runaway boyfriend. Man, fuck these guys. <laughs> can't find another body, yeah. Uh, so we go back to Lucas's loft. Arya's come over to kind of scope out this new message from AD. She's looking at Emily's phone. She's reading from it in this very hilarious dry tone. She's like, thank me later, ungrateful bitch. (laughs) And the way she says it, she's like kind of looking at Emily as though to suggest that perhaps this message is not unfair or something. Like there's something about the way she looks at Emily as she says this that is uh, wonderful. And Arya's like, all right, can we day drink just a little? Oh, yes, please. 
Emily's in no mood. She snatches the phone back. She's like, right now, we're thinking, not drinking. No, there's something bugging me about this text. You know, why would AD do me any favors? Also, didn't you kill AD, theoretically? Yeah. Uh, well, well, I don't think they've they've quite put that together yet. Yeah, because the Jenna thing and all that. Anyway, like really, Emily, like you don't you don't know why A would do you a favor. You don't remember A's games. But uh, I mean, they haven't. Yeah, all that. But they also haven't seen like the name in the book yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so these two have moved to the couch to continue this conversation. Which, sorry, again, side note. I want Ari to turn to Emily and be like, by the way, have you fucking moved in here? <laughs> like you're having dates on the couch here? Where was Hannah during all this? Luke Where is was- just like, I don't mind at all. I got cameras everywhere. Like, I want Ari to be like, what if things got, you know, where were you going to go with that? <laughs> just right out here on the couch? That is a good question. Like, where do you I, tie the sock? I, I presume Sabrina has her own place. Maybe. I mean, I guess Sabrina could be like, let's take this back to my place. Let's just go to the brew. Mm-hmm. Arya says, I don't know. I don't even want to think about what you're going to have to do to repay that debt. And Emily's not having that. She snatches the phone and, uh, back and puts it on the coffee table and I'm sorry, Arya does. She starts typing a text, and Emily says, I'm not going to wait around for AD to twist my arm with this. And Arya's like, Em, okay, I, I really don't think you should do that. Uh, and Emily, Emily is texting this mystery number back. She writes, things have changed. Need to lay low. Can you meet me? And she just immediately sends it off. Um, so you had a different take on this. I feel like Arya is like secretly thrilled with this development. No, I, I took it as Arya is just like, oh, shit, you know. Um, cause it, she, there's immediately a response and I could just see like Aria, you know, I, I guess it could go both ways. To me, it seemed like she was uncomfortable. She's ready to climb out of her skin, but also she is so anxious for it to be Jenna because mm-hmm. she suspects Jenna because much like all the girls, she has this, this, you know, predestined guilt from the past with, uh, with Jenna. So she needs Jenna to be evil. Even all though, the liars always have wanted Jenna to be evil. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they need her to be evil because it, it absolves them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's just like, is it Jenna? And Emily's like, no, it's just a number. So she hands the phone to Arya, showing that response, which is just the usual spot, to which Arya says, the usual spot? Where the hell is that? And Emily's just like, the only one place I can think of, hashtag, the burner apartment. Yeah, after commercial... Emily and Arya, they're walking to their car outside, or I think Emily's car outside the brew. Emily has uh, donned like a this kind of badass leather jacket here, kind of added it to the ensemble. Um, well, and she's she's doing this look where she's got she's got like these tight leather pants and then this kind of like loose hanging white button up shirt that she has half tucked in. Mm-hmm. Like this is a good Emily look here. Uh, and then yeah, Arya put her cape back on. And Arya says, Arya just needs like a little domino mask. <laughs> That would be delightful. Um, yeah, she says, what if the cops show up? And he says, well, hopefully we'll find out who's helping Rollins first, whether it's Mary Drake or Jenna Marshall. If we have something to hand over to the cops, there's no more AD. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and Ari's like, how are we supposed to get in? And Emily's just kind of getting frustrated here because she just like, get get the fuck in the car. Sure, sure. She's like, seatbelts first, questions later. And she's about to get in the car herself when we hear Sabrina call from off screen. She's like, Hi. And then we kind of cut over to her walking out of the brew. She's got like this big wide catering box in her arms. It's kind of full of like coffee carriers and takeout bags. And she looks really happy to see Emily. Also, she's wearing a cowboy hat. I don't know about that. She 
is wearing like an Indiana Jones hat and what looks like hammer pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big parachute pants that are just kind of A colors. I mean, that, <laughs> the, it's black and and kind of like very desaturated red stripe, like jagged lines. I don't know. Just going to point that out there. Anyway, she says hi. She's like, hey, I was just thinking about you. And Emily's kind of kind of put on like this happy face, but she's trying to get rid of Sabrina as fast as possible. She's like, hey, Sabrina. And Sabrina looks across over at Arya and she's like, Arya, right? And Arya's like, yeah, hey, um, nice to see you again. And Sabrina nods. And I feel like at this point she kind of remembers what a snake and a liar Arya is. Yeah. And so Arya just gets in the car and now it's like really awkward. And Sabrina's picking up on the vibe and she's like, um, well, you guys are going somewhere. I don't want to keep. And Emily's like, no, it's fine. We're and then she does this move where she she kind of just nods at Arya, doesn't say anything as though this somehow communicates enough. I kind of wondered, did did Sabrina read this as like they're on a date or something? No, so uh, interesting. I I read that a little different too. I felt like Emily was going to say more to kind of keep up this fake pretense a little longer, mm-hmm. but it's ruined by the fact that Arya somewhat rudely just gets in the passenger seat of the car like she's ready to go, which could also be as Arya is going to give them privacy. But it just seemed like because Emily's just like, no, it's fine. We're uh. well. The way she looks over at Arya to me. It almost seemed like she was implying, like, sorry, I'm busy with this other person right now. You know, like, I don't know. If you're Sabrina, I don't know how you take this. You're just like, uh, okay. And she's like, uh, I was just wondering how your test went is what she says, like, very suspiciously, of course, because uh, Emily just got the good grade on her test. And Emily's like, it was good. Great. Which <laughs> is so convincing. Now Sabrina's in full, like, what the fuck is this going on, you know? And she's like, okay. Uh, well, asked some deliveries to make. Our guy didn't show. So, and Emily's like, okay. And so Sabrina just walks off feeling shitty about this whole encounter. And she, she keeps like, looks back a few times, like, what, what the hell just happened? You know, she's kind of like got this really like sour, you know, hashtag well, sour just, look on her face here. Yeah. Let's try not to say sour too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also mm-hmm. like, like she keeps looking at Emily, like we had a connection. How could you be so cluelessly horrible to me? Um, yeah, so meanwhile, Arya's in the car reading The Amateurs. No, um, she's like, just like, Arya just seems really annoyed at this awkwardness, which she'll address verbally as soon as she can. So, like, mm-hmm. once her and Emily are, are both in the car sliding on seatbelts, Arya's like, sorry, that was really awkward. Emily just doesn't oh, want to. Arya be- clearly hates Sabrina. Yeah, it seems like she does. Because, oh, also, Sabrina, the gatekeeper, kept mm-hmm. her away from Ezra's apartment when she needed to be there the most. Um, which. You just know Arya's like, much like she was, I think, when Ezra first opened the brew. She's probably ordering employees around, right? I think Arya probably considers herself like the unofficial boss. Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody should probably do what she says. But, I mean, it's probably a little more acceptable now because at least now she's not in high school. Oh, man. Have you have you ever, like, worked in one of those situations? Where With, like, the, the, boss's, the boss's SO isn't officially in charge, but... You yep. better do what they say. Yep. Yeah, that's fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the trick is to become their gossip buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Emily doesn't want to think about this. She's just like, oh, come on. We need to get there first. And they presumably like they drive off. Uh, well, um, poor, poor Sabrina here. I feel like she just got a taste of like the downside of being Emily's girlfriend. <laughs> At the same time, though, 
a little sketchy asking about that test. That's like a that's a total Mona move there. Also very considerate considering this was the thing that Emily had to frantically run out of the apartment about this morning. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I think for a lot of people, if you were slightly on the fence about Sabrina before, hopefully you like her more now just because of how horrible Emily is to her. Why would you be would, on the fence about her before? I think some people probably are just because. I think those are just like Emerson Shippers, so I mean, ignore them. Benjamin Light takes a stand against Emerson Shippers. Oh, shippers are shippers. You know, they're going to have a problem with anything that gets in the way of their ship. But as, as a character, I don't know why you'd necessarily have a problem with Sabrina. I feel I like she's not. pretty fleshed out. I hope not. Um, so the Glamour's house in Allison's bedroom. She's tearing through some drawers, frantically looking around the room. Apparently it's been uh, doing this for a little while now. She's like breathing heavily the whole way through. We see Mary Drake like kind of casually storm in like she does. She finds Allison Ryder. She's like throwing a picture of her and Rick together in happier times against the dresser. Well, the, Alice- the shot is great because Allie has picked up this photo of her and Rick, like happier times, frame photo. And then we cut to this side angle where it's like in the background, blurry Mary, like leans around the, the hallway, like what's going on in there? And then like out of the side of the frame, this picture goes flying against the dresser. It crashes, you know, shattering. Uh, I love that. Mary's Mary's whole thing is that she comes storming in a way in which she could either be asking, are you okay? Or she could like pull a gun out and start shooting at people. But Allison screams, where are all my dildos? (laughs) Yeah. Did you notice a yellow top hanging out of her dresser? Yes. Yes. Classic little alley nod there. Yellow top. Um, So yeah, Mary marches in. She's looking around this mess. Allie's just like tearing through drawers and Mary has this like very sedated concern on her face. She's like, did Elliot leave this mess for you? I can help you tidy up. And Allison's just like, where is it? Uh, Mary's like, she's uncomfortably calm and quick to respond here. Like she immediately responds with, you tell me what it is you're after and I can help you find it. And Allie's like, you know what I'm after. You helped them take it. Now it's all gone. And Mary, she does this move. I love the way you describe this. Like she just, you know, had felt a disturbance in the force. It's like she literally just, she she senses with her special Sith powers that like, oh, something's wrong. She's like, he double-crossed me. Mm-hmm. And Ali's like, what are you talking about? And Mary's like, that lying bastard was just greedy. Are you sure that he took everything? And Ali's just like checking, savings, joint accounts. Safety deposit boxes, lasagna boxes, my shares at the Kirasimi group. It's all gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she's at the, the dresser by the mirror, leaning against it. We can see Mary in the mirror whenever we cut to Allison. Um, and Mary Drake's like, okay, okay. He must use his power of attorney to empty accounts and escape, but the police will find him. You'll get your money back. Will they? Uh, no. Uh, Allison's like falling to the bottom of her frustrations with this as the truth yet again like comes sinking in around her. And she's like, what if they don't find him? And Mary Drake, she's like, Allison, I'm so terribly sorry. Just tell me what it is that you want me to do and I'll do it. I want to make this right. And she reaches for Allison and that's when Allison turns and just storms out of the room and yells, I can't sleep in here. And Mary <laughs> sighs. And there's uh, some dramatic music playing as Mary kind of reaches down and picks up this photo of Allie and Rick from amidst the shards of broken glass. And she kind of stands. She's holding the photo as though she's about to, like, recite an incantation over it, like staring yeah. at herself in the mirror. Very hard to read what she's thinking right now. Like, is this concern for Allie, concern for Rollins, concern for herself? Like, is this all part of the plan? I don't know. Uh, and then she 
very kind of carefully tears the photo, splitting Rick's face in half, like right down the middle. Uh, which I guess he could read this as she is permanently like severing any alliance she had with Rick here. Like as far as she knows right now, Rick has at least made off with the money and double crossed her. So like that partnership is over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that money, I guess he, I mean, most likely he would just would have transferred it to like a different account, I guess, like a Swiss account or something. Uh, it's it too much. All in his trunk of his car. Well, it's, it's too much money for him to have had on him. It would be hilarious if they had to go dig him up to get the money back. But, yeah, it's, I don't think that yeah. works. Um, that would be great, though. Uh, the only the, thing better than the liars burying a body is the liars digging up a body. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the word I was trying to remember is anagnorosis, uh, which I'm horribly mispronouncing. Uh, that's her, her force awakening moment as provided by Aristotle. I just love the way she just kind of stares off like he double-crossed me. It um it reminds me a little of those earlier X-Men movies when they'd be like, Rogue's gone. And then Professor Professor X would like, he'd like take a moment and be like, she is. You know, like like he knows it because oh, he senses it. He's just also just scanned with his brain. Yeah, yeah. That's or, what it reminded me of when she's like, you know, Rick took all my money. And she's like, he did. <laughs> or speaking of other people who have interesting voices, curious affect, and a penchant for all black. What if she just turned and was just like Han Solo? <laughs> Han Solo can't save you now. <laughs> I love that movie. Oh god, I would love to think of. Oh, I haven't been doing Bane voice for Allie at all. You also haven't been doing Kylo Ren voice for Mary Drake. <laughs> Allison, you know I can just take whatever I want. What if they don't find him? Yeah. Oh, we should save that for uh, Sarah and Jenna. <laughs> Dr. Rollins refused our offer in favor of yours. I had to find out what he told you. Uh, so meanwhile, at the Rosewood police station, yeah. Spencer's just like walking through one dude's office, like looking around, and then it continues on to Toby's office. She kind of leans in the door frame, speaking of oh, Star Wars. There's a poster on the wall there about how the Rosewood PD arrests 75% of violent offenders. Violent offenders, yeah. Uh, I think the the real stinger there is that if you cause trouble tonight, the odds are stacked against you. Don't gamble on it. Don't take the gamble. And it's got like some clip art of some poker chips there. I was like, what the fuck is this poster? <laughs> I think uh, it says Operation Protect something. I assume Rosewood. I don't know. Um, I, I want to talk to the design people and the prop people so badly. I am so fascinated by all the, the gems of like, Rosewood High posters that we that we never quite caught. <laughs> um, yeah, so she this, this dude is like his office is a hallway. <laughs> well, you know when you're low on the totem pole. Well, like even Toby's got like technically a real office. This other guy just has a desk in the hallway outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she she goes and leans in the doorway of Officer Toby's uh, office, and he's got his back to her at the as. And the doorway as he's putting some files away. And she leans in and she knocks on the wall inside and she's being cute. And she's like, I'd like to file a missing persons report. And he turns around and counters with official or off the record. And unfortunately, or fortunately, she says, Help me, Toby Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. I love that she actually she does like the Leia inflection for it. 
Yeah. And Toby kind of like, he half shakes his head like, this is dorky, but also this is totally hot. Babe, that's all I ever wanted to hear. Yeah, so she's a little embarrassed. She walks in the office and she says, I'm sorry, it's a terrible joke. I don't even know why. Is he staying with you? <laughs> and Toby, like he hesitates and just his face gives everything away. Yeah. Yeah. So she fills in the blanks. No, but you know where he is. Caleb just needed some time to think. Okay, he'll reach out to you when he's ready. I feel cheated that we did, we missed out on that like awkward Toby and Caleb bro down scene. Whoa. It's just like, hey, got some tough times. Can I say it's the cabin? I'm I'm surprised that the cabin's not even mentioned as a throwaway line. <laughs> you know? But um what was the conversation between Toby and Yvonne like? Which time? Well, <laughs> in, any any emote during their courtship. But I mean, just like when Toby's like, babe, turns out Caleb, totally innocent. He's a true bro. Mm-hmm. And she's like, fuck you. Fuck your <laughs> friends. <laughs> she's like, I don't know how, but I'm sure this is all Spencer's fault. Yeah. Um, so he in a roundabout close. way, it is. He comes closer, still holding his file, doing the occasional hand gesture. And she's really embarrassed. And she's like, this is messy. I'm sorry. I didn't. Sorry you got pulled into it. He's my friend. So are you. If you want, I can tell him that you stopped by. And, and then she's like, no, 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 no. Thank, thank you, though. Um, I, I, should, I, I should go. I was just. And in the background, as she's saying this, we can see, oh, there's a Marco Fury walking into the room with some papers. And so, of course, Spencer almost runs right into him as she's leaving. She, like, turns around quickly. She almost runs right over him because he's Arya's height. I don't know how he didn't notice in the last episode. Maybe it's just, uh, like, they were sitting on stools and, like, and then in the elevator, the angles are such. that Like, we didn't realize that, like, Marco is actually, like, he's kind of a tiny little guy, which makes me like him more. Um, so they kind of stop short. They see each other. And it, it takes them a couple seconds to really fully recognize each other because at first he's just like oh excuse me and then like recognition recognition starts to set in and spencer's like sorry and uh he he seems happy to see her he's like hey hi there and spencer's like hi and she turns around and looks at toby and like just no poker face at all right now but toby being a terrible cop he's completely missing what's going on here he does the finger back and forth (laughs) thing Have, have you guys met yeah so she immediately puts on the act of like, no, she looks back at him like, like, a, like a fury, like, like play along. Like, I don't think we have. And he's like appraising her surprised that she would play it like this. Then like, well, what does this mean? I think also maybe just a little uh, surprised that his new sergeant has terrible instincts for a cop because he's yeah. completely not picking up on this. Uh, and Toby's just like, okay, um, Spencer Hastings, this is defect detective Marco Fury. <laughs> Defective detective Marco Fury. Yeah, he's my new supervisor on the Rollins case. And so Spencer and Marco are shaking hands, and Spencer is making this face just like, sorry, go with it, you know? And Marco's just like, it's nice to meet you. And Spencer's like, yes, you as well. Um, Well, I'm sure you guys have a lot of work to do, so I'll just let you get to it. And she walks off, and Marco comes over to like join Toby at his desk there. But he looks back a few times at Spencer, just kind of like, huh. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. You know, and it's the, they're talking like, we can't totally hear the conversation, but they're kind of mentioning like, you know, getting a call from downtown, something to do with Baltimore. 
And Spencer's watching through the window right now. She hasn't completely left. And on screen, on Toby's computer, we see there's a photo of Rick's car there at the train station where they left it. And we hear Marco. He says something about, like, uh, further charges there. It doesn't fit with what he said. Mm -hmm. So Spencer leaves, I think, probably just hoping that, like, it seems like the plan is working. Well. At least from what she can see. There's a lot of weird things in Spencer's life happening in that office. Mm -hmm. Um, What... What's amazing is that Detective Marco doesn't at some point ask Toby some follow-up questions because that was a weird encounter. And here's why Toby should never get that promotion that he'll never get is because he should pause for a minute, look at that empty doorway where Spencer once was, look at Detective Marco and just like facepalm and be like, Spencer's going to be a murderous suspect again. Fuck. Well, what what follow-up question would he ask Toby? Because he just kind of, like, got the signal, like, keep this on the DL. Like, he should be, like, a friend of yours? What's her story? You know what I mean? Like, Man, should- I feel like we're, I guess, you know, from the press clippings, he's supposed to be, like, a smart cop. So I guess keeping his mouth shut is probably the best move. I guess he seems confused that she's playing it this way. And then he immediately, like, it just leaves his mind. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess what what we seem to be getting is that like he really didn't know who she was, which I find hard to believe just because how could you how could anyone who's gonna work in Rosewood as a police officer not have like a six inch thick dossier on Spencer Hastings? But I mean I, I guess that's what they're going for. It makes him not as sleazy in retrospect. I'd like to think that that one guy has to have a fucking desk in the hallway because <laughs> there's a Spencer Hastings room. Although it's still like if you're going to be the new sheriff in town, I don't know, probably not get optics to go like try and hook up with a random chick at your hotel bar. Like, you know, nothing wrong, you know, to consenting adults and whatnot, but you're a public figure. I don't know. Yeah, I was still still a little. I don't know. This guy's playing fast and loose. Perhaps he gets results. Don't post shitty slut shaming (laughs) like tweets and Instagram photos about it. So. It's, we cut to daytime. Black sleeve gloved hand knocks on the uh, sorry, black sleeved hand knocks on Delorence's front door. It's the Jenna thing. There's no answer, so she waits a few seconds, and then Jenna thing like starts to like turn the handle, and then like <laughs> Allie yanks the door open suddenly, pulls and Jenna pulls back, hissing like a cat. But I like that Jenna was just totally cool, like walking into that empty house. Oh, I mean, everybody walks into her house, so like like that bitch Anita. Um, mm-hmm. So Allison's like staring at her in surprise and suspicion. She collects herself enough to speak, and she's just like, Jenna, what a treat. Allison, and, I thought you were in the hospital. So you came to my house? To find out how you were doing. Oh. I figured you wouldn't want to see me, but I didn't think there was any harm in asking your husband. Mm-hmm. And it's like a slight smirk there, and a like raised left eyebrow when she says husband. It's like just enough to just like tweak Allie, you know? Elliot doesn't live here anymore. Did something happen? You tell me. You seem to know a lot about what's happening in my private life. How do you and Elliot know each other? And I think we're we're seeing some old alley here because Jenna's on the defensive. That's something we almost never see. Jenna kind of like, she backs off. She kind of taps with her cane, feeling for the stairs behind her. She's like, um, this was a mistake. And she starts walking down the stairs. Allie's not done yet. Your mistake was trying to convince him that I killed Charlotte. Jenna looks back at Allie, and uh, behind her we see, like, cabbies opening the door for Jenna. I guess they don't have Uber in Rosewood yet? 
I'm wondering what the Uber app situation is for vision impaired. iOS is uh, it's very friendly to visually impaired. So I yeah. feel like it would work just fine. Anyway, Jenna says, you haven't been well, Allison. I think you're confused. Am I? And Jenna's going to retreat. Mally, Alia like, falls her to the bottom of the stairs. And then, yeah, ready, ready for the commercial, she yells, the next time you call Archer, tell him I said to go to hell. And Jenna pauses, not turning back this time. She's like, maybe he's already there. And then she walks off, and she leaves Allie to just stew on her porch. And Allie's basically considering whether or not she said too much. Do you think Allie said too much there? I, I guess she's implying that she knows that Jenna called Archer, yeah. which lets Jenna know that they had the phone or they had something. So my theory is that Jenna is aware in some context of somebody called Archer. Mm-hmm. I somehow feel like Jenna probably doesn't know that Archer was indeed Elliot. Hmm. Okay. It might, would be my guess. Um, I think that there's a much better subtle... I don't know. If she does, I feel like there's a much better subtle dig there. And then Allison is, you know, thinking, oh, Jenna knows that he might be dead. I think what Jenna's really saying potentially is that uh, he's married to you. Obviously, <laughs> he's in hell. <laughs> Burn. Uh, well, I mean, my, my feelings with Jenna is that always, like, number one, she's shady as hell. Mm-hmm. Second only to Melissa and being, like, shady as Rex. Um, but she's never actually A. She's always, like, running a side game. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I saw an interesting theory where they're like, that wasn't even Jenna on the phone. It was like someone with a voice changer, which like I guess if you're doing masks, you can do voice changers. I don't know. That would be weird. But I feel like Jenna is up to something, and it may be tangential to the A game or like a side job with Rollins, but obviously AD is running their own game. Oh, I feel like Jenna is always – she's always interested in some kind of immediate payback. She's not – I don't think Jenna gives a fuck about – running these long-term schemes on people or anything like that. Well, this is what I was talking about last time, but like Jenna, like hooking up or not hooking up, but you know, like partnering up with Rollins to exact vengeance on Allie. Like she doesn't, she doesn't strike me as like a full a game type person, but like anytime she can screw over Allie, she's down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're going to cut to a hallway, uh, pretty obviously Ezra's old hallway kind of redress here to be like a dingy apartment hallway. Emily and Arya around the corner on their way to the hashtag burner apartment. And hashtag, Emily, hashtag cape jacket. Yes, wearing a cape, a half cape. Emily says, do you think $20 was enough to keep the manager quiet? And Arya says, I slipped in my number two. And Ar- Emily kind of gives her this look like seriously. And Arya's like, well, number two, Imperial Garden. I hope he likes Mushu. Which I love that line. I love this whole little bit here. Uh, first of all, just because the closed captioning has Arya saying, I slipped him a number two. Like, <laughs> Here's a handful of shit. Which is like, that's a different scene. Um, but uh, yeah, just the idea of Ali, or I'm sorry, Arya handing out her number as to like con this guy. I love it. Like Arya almost never does that. Like she never acknowledges like, yeah, I'm totally hot. I can get guys to do what I want. Uh, but she does occasionally, like here. Like, well, it's, this is future Arya, I think. She's not unaware. Yeah, I mean, especially in this episode, it's it's fascinating. I, You know, it's funny. I remember we asked Brian Holdman, like, does he have a special connection to the Montgomery family? And he said, <laughs> not, not particularly. Um, I would just, I would love his updated feelings on, 
on Arya, especially future Arya. Yeah, I mean this this is an Arya who knows how to get what she wants. She's like, yeah, I gave my number to a, a Chinese food place. Also, which I feel like lessens the their alibi if she like screws this guy over, you know? Yeah. Also, uh, if you're if you're a fan of Norbuck and you follow his Twitter account, whenever he talks about like like starting a podcast or like actually doing future Aria fan fiction, you guys should hold him to that because that would be fantastic. Uh, especially the future Aria fan fiction. Um, but yeah, so she trails off and they're at the door. Aria unlocks it. They step into this like dingy, dilapidated pigsty. Um, there's like an old fucking TV on, on the kitchen table. There's dishes open for in the sink. There's one of those like things where there's not even cabinets to what's under the sink. It's just like a little curtain. Mm-hmm. Little paint peeling, dust everywhere. Um, Emily's like, what a shithole. Uh, actually, she says, what a dump. Arya shuts the door. Um, Emily's like, it's like Rollins has two different people or was two different people. And Arya sneers, drops the keys on the coffee table. And she says, yeah, or someone else is living here. And then he's like, well, whoever it is is a slob. The sink is disgusting. So Arya looks over and there's like, she clearly identifies that what behind the, what looks like a closet to me. She's like, well, hey, help me pull down the Murphy bed. So they walk to some like old French doors, open them up to reveal that fold down bed. Arya's um, going to check the bed. She's going to check the bed. Uh, there's a great uh, Bond movie that starts with uh, Bond potentially being murdered in a Murphy bed. Um, Emily comes over to help. They try to pull it down, but it seems to be stuck on something to which Arya says, it's stuck. So they shake it another time and give up. Arya walks away, wiping her hands. And then behind her, the bed finally like unlatches or whatever, decides to fall down on its own. And a mannequin head thing bounces off it onto the floor. And oh, Arya then, then we just get the most adorable reaction from Arya ever. Like she freaks out, she screams, and she runs away with like, like with her palms out to the side. Uh, and she's like, oh my god, it's a head, it's a head, it's a head. And she like just runs over and hides behind Emily. Emily, who's like less startled. Uh, a little startled, but like less terrified of the head. She's just kind of like, huh. You well, know? I think I think Arya's taken all of the panic out of the room. Like, this, there's no room for Emily to freak out. This is an extremely gifable moment here. Yeah. Um, but I really hope that Norbeck just sat behind the monitors with a bemused grin on his face and said, "I'm going to need another take, faster, more intense." Yeah. And I'm going to need him again and again and again. <laughs> um, so Emily's like. Who's head? Well, the, the funny thing about this, like in one of those old PLL, like like you know, bleeper clips from like seasons one or two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to say there's a bit where yes. like they uh, they find like a raccoon or something. Like I think it's a raccoon. Like at some point, there's like a raccoon on the set or in the shot or something, yeah. and you've basically seen Lucy Hale do the same move before, only like for real, yeah. which just makes it even more funny. Yeah. So uh, she moves closer. Arya hangs back, still gasping for for breath. And Arya's like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I can't look at that. So Emily ducks down by the broken mannequin head that's obviously not a real human head. Seriously. Arya's like, Em, no, don't touch it. Emily's like, well, it's not real. So she picks it up, examines it. It's made out of like plaster or foam. Um, Uh, No gloves again for the liars. No. Mm, No fingerprints. Yeah. So she's like, the fall broke the face off. Face off. Uh, and Arya's like finally willing to come closer to see it. And Emily says, who keeps a fake head stuffed under their pillow? So Arya looks back at the bed. And above, you know, where the Murphy bed was, there's just photos taped to the wall behind there. It's a bunch of different photos of Darren fucking Wilden's face from multiple angles. She yeah. says, someone pretended to be Darren fucking Wilden. 
Emily comes over and they they kind of look at each other concerned and it's like uh, although they already have hypothesized this like this idea that there is a mask of Wilden's face it's like now this is confirmation you know I like it because it 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 cuts onto like the whole fantastical Mission Impossible mask face thing the idea that Rollins might have had to practice for a while from pictures to like make this face. I guess this gives him more confirmation, you know, rather yeah. than just a theory based on a list of ingredients. So and then, like, as they're looking at this and, like, looking at each other, there's kind of, like, like some drums playing. And then, like, a heavy bass line comes in mm-hmm. as we kind of move out of the scene. And that, that, that bass line is going to continue because we're going to cut to the Radley bar. Uh, yeah, so real quick, uh, as we're recording this, you know, we check the, the Twitter occasionally. I mm-hmm. believe listener Samantha asked a question. Yes. We are sour boys. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Sarah asked if we're sour guys. Yes, we are. That's mm-hmm. gonna be our new podcast name. Sour guys. Um, so the rally bar, black glove hands. Oh shit, Sarah Harvey is back. Bartender says, What can I get you? She ordered I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it's my big moment. I stepped on it. Uh John Collins, rocks, extra sour. Sure thing. Uh, interesting <laughs> drink choice for shower. Yeah. Uh, she's got her uh, black leather jacket over. She's wearing like the most bizarre look here. She's got some sort of like black bodysuit that comes right up to her chest. Mm-hmm. It looks like something out of like Mass Effect. Um, I don't know what's going on because later on she just has like like the gray top goes all the way down. But here there's like some weird like black like overall thing happening that like goes up she- to her chest. She looks like the whitewashed hero of like a Japanese sci-fi movie. <laughs> like she's going to have some kind of like Akira future bike outside or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then we hear the haunting tap, tap, tap of a cane approaching behind shower. Well, we also some- we got to mention shower's hair is a little longer now than it has been before. I think probably because of all the protein from those gloves that she's been eating. Yeah. When yeah, she's she trapped did. in her room. But yeah, the hair is longer now. Yeah. Almost a mullet. <laughs> it looks fantastic. There's a, there's a, you know, it's not a full party in the background. Back, uh, maybe like a dinner party in the back. Oh, business so, in the front. Yeah, a little bit of business in the front. Um, scandalous Tupperware party in the back, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do they call those? What's what is the name for that? Uh, the ten ninety. No, oh, no, scandalous not that. Tupperware party. Yeah, that's gonna bother me now because I can't think of it. That would have been a good reference. Oh well. I wish I could Google scandalous Tupperware party and find something juicy. Maybe I could. I don't know. So, yeah, the, the person off screen says, is this seat taken? And Sarah says, the bar looks pretty empty to me. And she stops short when she looks back and sees it's the Jenna thing. So so Sarah jumps up. She comes over to help Jenna because she recognizes that she's you know blind. Oh. Well, I like how she was all ready to be bitchy, but then she's totally smitten to find her like metaphorical herself standing there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with oh, the, the very classic sour smile and sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, let me help you. Thank you. So she leads her by the hand over the table and they sit. Jenna keeps a hold of Sarah's hand, feeling at the gloves or feeling through the gloves. It's You're just, Sarah Harvey, aren't you? So Sarah pulls her hand back sharply, scowling at Jenna. And Jenna says, I'm Jenna Marshall. I think a few of the girls you know are a few of the girls I know. What an unfortunate thing for us to have in common. 
And Jenna says, well, the unfortunate things make us who we are. Smoosh! Yeah, Sarah's, Sarah's into it. I love how, like, somehow Jenna just knows that, like, she's heard all about creepy Sarah Harvey and her creepy gloves. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jenna says. Jenna says. Sorry, I was looking up uh, scandalous top order parties on Google. Uh, Jenna says, can I buy you a drink? Only if you have one with me. Are you a sour girl? Well, it can be. Bartender, she'll have the same. Four cherries, please. Yeah. Bart- Bartender's like coming right up. Are um, you a sour girl? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Classic line. I, I love the seeing the reactions like in from some, you know, groups of or you know, segments of PLL fandom. People fucking love that line. And in other segments, people are like, like, oh, my God, that was the worst line ever. Total cringe. Like, I guess it just depends on how you watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. Put me in the camp as somebody who loved that line. Because the way she says it, she's just like, are you a sour girl? I I think we're firmly entrenched in the sour Harvey camp (laughs) for reals. Um, Yeah, I think it was Robin Sparkles on Twitter. Or not Twitter, uh, uh, Reddit suggested Sour Harvey as a new name, which I like, although it kind of does sound like you're like lisping Shower Harvey, you know, when you say yeah. Sour Harvey. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's, yeah. that's what makes it so good. Mm-hmm. Well, and Sarah Harvey, she's still doing that creepy thing where she never turns her shoulders, like just her neck whenever she's looking at someone. It's so off putting. Well, and also her, her big, beautiful blue eyes are incredibly off putting the way she stares at people. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because there's something just so human and adorable and endearing about Dre Davis' like Instagram like like profile. Like she's just she seems like such a, an interesting person in real life, and mm-hmm. she's so fucking good at making people uncomfortable on this show. Now there is a Wikipedia entry for sex toy party. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll keep researching. <laughs> just so. Just douse your Google search history in, in holy water and light it on fire. Um, so, so back at the burner apartment, uh, Emily's well, thinking- I think we have to get the line out, and thus all our fan fiction begins. Like Sarah and Jenna, they're they're teaming up. They're in the, I mean, that conversation is downright flirty. There, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I know somebody asked if we knew this was coming. It was like, no, we saw some photos and stuff. But I think, I think in the roundtable, we said we hoped. Didn't well, there we? there were press photos, so you could kind of guess. It wasn't like we just like completely like thought this up out of nowhere. I think we had like some idea that they had a scene together at least. Well, also it, it, we don't really have like the inside track. Mm-hmm. No, no, we have no inside information at all. We we have uh, what you guys listening at home have. Yeah. Like that new uh, supposed spoiler that Spencer's going to have a pregnancy scare, and she's not sure if it's Marcos or Caleb. That's what we have. Ah. That's not gonna happen. I, no. I I'm gonna like go. Uh, That's a theory now. Minorly no. in, yeah. It's like, you know the Brazilians is or whatever. There, is there a fucking pregnancy scare theory like every goddamn always, season? Always, yeah. Oh, um. Anyway, so back at the burner apartment, Emily's digging into the dishes. It's like the mucky dishwater in the sink, and like Ari like sits on the bed behind her, like reading through a notebook. And Ari's hey, like, "Can I interrupt you entirely?" One of the uh, one of the references on this Wikipedia article is a, a column, or I don't know if it's paper or book or what it is. It's women's sex toys parties: colon technology, orgasm, and commodification. Hmm. Love that. 
Sorry, continue. She's totally using technology. Um, so Arya's like, are you putting your hands in there? And then he's like, <laughs> Phrasing. You're, you're the one sitting on the bed. And so Arya like frowns at the bed and like the fake head quickly gets up. And I thought to myself for a second, oh yeah, she is wearing a skirt. Ooh. Um, well, I love that she was sitting right next to the head before that. Like yeah. seemingly comfortable before that. Yeah, yeah. Emily had ruined it all. So Emily's like, there's something at the bottom. And Arya's like, what is that? And Emily pulls out like a package of items wrapped in, like a waterproof Ziploc bag. She shows it to Arya. It's like we can see like a passport, a plane ticket, some cash. And she's like, Elliot wasn't a slob. This mess was a cover. I don't know if apartment. I I don't know if I totally buy this. Like this mess is a cover, but like that fucking creepy ass head and the Wilden photos are just like behind the bed. I don't know. It seems like a waste of spycraft. I I want them to go. So what was the your original no con theory, if I remember correctly, was that he's like undercover Mossad. Yeah, he's uh, he works for Mossad. He's keeping an eye on uh, Peter Hastings, aka Nathan Drake. So what if Archer is like undercover, like MI five? Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's just, it's like a hotbed of just like the espionage and intelligence. Community. I could buy Ren undercover MI five. I don't know about uh, Rick there. Really. Rick watched out of the uh, whatever the British version of uh, boot camp is. <laughs> I'm sure they have a different name. I just don't know it. It's trunk camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so it cuts to the other liars as they meet up at the brew. Uh, Hannah's like leading Spencer over to a quiet space to talk. And she's just like, you are not going to believe what happened while you were gone. Ari and Emily found out that Rollins has a secret apartment, you know, in the other episode that they're in. <laughs> And Spencer's like, they didn't go there, did they? Well, she says that very concerned. Which I feel it's like a little bit of grist for the uh, the Spencer is a mill. Mm-hmm. You know, like like she doesn't like the idea that they would have gone there without consulting her. It, it's interesting, though, when Spencer's like, I hope they didn't go there mixed in with the uh, uh, follow Jenna. No, mm-hmm. Hannah's like, they set a trap for Jenna. And Spencer like gives her a look. She's like, what? Um, so Hannah's like, but get this. I used my mom's password to get into the Radley reservation system. Jenna just extended her stay. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Spencer's so like, here? Uh, and Hannah's like, she was supposed to check out this morning, but I guess something changed her mind. Spencer's like, things happen, Hannah. I mean, people changed their plans. Remember when we were only supposed to come back for a couple of days? We ended up in this friggin' nightmare and it's kept us trapped here. I just want to say this is at least three episodes in a row where Spencer's had delivered some version of the same speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's I, not too happy about it. But I mean, is is there a reason? Like, is this is this going somewhere to have her constantly give the same speech? I think maybe just a reminder that they don't even live here. I don't know. I feel like this show is probably torn sometimes between just going with the ridiculousness of it. And occasionally feeling like they need to make some stab at like explaining away why they're in this situation, you know. The, the my parents are on a cruise, being yeah. like Senator Alex. Yeah. yeah, like this is why we're still here. Like this is why we can't go to the cops, you know. Yeah. So Hannah's like, "I'm sorry." Uh, Spencer seems close, to like a very public meltdown. So Hannah tries to calm her down. Like, no luck. At- the ranger station and she shakes her head slowly closing her eyes it's like it hurts to think about and she's like can we please not talk about caleb <laughs> and hannah sighs and it's like spencer i don't want to be the one who messed this up for either of you so what can i do how can i fix this 
And Spencer gives her a soft smile. And her next line here seems mean. I don't think she intends it to be unfriendly. I know some people might interpret that way. I don't feel like it plays in the scene unfriendly. She says, maybe you can start by figuring out why you're wearing one guy's ring when you might have feelings for another. Um, and then we get like some major extended Hannah face here. I feel like this exchange, the way they they react to it is not unfriendly, but I can definitely see if you just like read those lines, you're like, damn, Spencer, that was harsh. I think it still comes off like there's, you know, understandably a bitter note between them. Mm-hmm. Like Spencer said, I need to be angry at you a little bit longer. Well, it's like uh, Hannah knows she needs to process her Caleb feelings, but she's trying so hard not to just for Spencer's sake here. Yeah, yeah. So back at the burner apartment, Emily's like looking through Rick's uh, burn bag stuff, and she's just like, passwords with no photos, a couple of plane tickets. It's like Rawls has an exit strategy in place for him and someone else. So Arya puts down the plane tickets, and Emily hands her the passport, then picks up another face, fake passport to leave through. They're like a well-oiled snooping machine. They really are. Just like the way they're like handing each other stuff and looking at it. Yeah. And And like, yeah, what's in the book? And Arya cracks this notebook on her lap and she says, it's a ledger. A couple of things. For a big doctor, his handwriting is super legible. (laughs) And she turns the book around to show Emily this. She's kind of like pointing with her finger and she says, and he kept very detailed records, cash payments to MD and JM. And Emily translates, Mary Drake, Jenna Marshall. He was paying them cash, but for what? And he's like, I don't know. There's there's no reference to here to AD. And he's like, where'd you find that? Uh, her own purse. Uh, no. Arya says, over there in the seat cushion. Pretty sure mice lived in there. Also, I found this purse in the library. And she passes Emily a copy of, uh, like, a paperback copy of Twelfth Night by Shakespeare. And I feel like at this point, you could just, like, lose yourself endlessly in the potential meanings of Twelfth Night references. Because that whole play is like full of like fake identities and siblings and like secret plots. I mean, it's it's nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like double cross after double cross. Um, so Emily is looking through Twelfth Night here. There's a few passages that are highlighted that it seems like we should at least uh, you know point out. Uh, one of them says, "Kill what I love, a savage jealousy that sometimes savors nobly." But hear me, this. Uh, another one says, "I'll sacrifice the lamb that I do love, despite a raven's heart within a dove." And then uh, from a different character, to do you rest, a thousand deaths would die. Um, so I found the modern translation of this. I don't know. Are you interested? Sure. Uh, so this is or- Duke Orsino and Viola here talking. I have not uh, read or seen Twelfth Night, so I can't give you a broader context here. Uh, but I'll, the, I'll read you the passage that, that's happening here, translated into kind of like modern terms. Orsino is saying... Maybe I should act like the Egyptian thief who kills the woman he loves before he dies. That kind of savage jealousy sometimes seems noble. But listen to me, since you keep denying the love I feel for you, and since I know who's stealing my place in your heart, you can go on being cold-hearted, but I'm going to take this boy from you. He knows his master loves you. I'm doing this, even though he's dear to me, because I know you love him. Come with me, boy. I'm ready to do something extreme. I'll sacrifice this boy I care for, just despite a beautiful woman with a heart of stone. And then Viola replies, and I would die a thousand deaths cheerfully if it made your life easier. What an interesting little scene to have highlighted. I don't know if that's just the, the writers having fun or what. Like, who who would be the uh, the one killing someone who someone else loves here? I don't know. I mean, it's basically like, like I could just kill you, but I'd rather kill somebody you love because I, you know, even though I love them too, you don't love me, and I want to spite you. Like, 
who is saying that? Is that uh, it's Rick? hard for me? Yeah, it's hard for me to to patch it on to the uh, uh, Rick, Alice, and Charlotte yeah. love triangle. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you could obviously find parallels in the the Halo Spalab debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unless Charlotte is more of a player than we know, I suppose. There's always you know? the Toblerone. Oh, there's always me. Uh, so anyway, Emily kind of flips to the front flap and sees inside the cover of this book. There's a little label that says this book belongs to Archer Dunhill. And she's like, Archer Dunhill. And she like shows Arya and Arya's like AD. And they wink at the camera. Mm-hmm. So then we hear footsteps approaching, keys jingling. They stand. Arya quickly hides the passwords and money under the ledger on the coffee table. Emily runs over, puts the chain lock on the door as they duck behind it, breathing hard. And then with a jolt, the door opens and catches on the chain. They gasp. The door, someone outside pounds on it instead. And we hear, open up, Rosewood PD, open up. Like, pound, 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 pound. Yeah. I know you're in there. And the girls frown because they're like, Arya oh, does the eye narrow. <laughs> so Emily reaches over and she opens up this kind of like little like peephole window. And we just see Toby's face glaring in from the other side of the door. And he's just like, Toby? And cut to black. And Toby's like, Emily, motherfucker. Well, you know, the girls never really consider it here, but uh, I've seen this floated a few places online. Could Toby have actually been here to meet Rollins? Like, they sent that that text to, like, set the trap to meet someone. What if it was Toby? It could be Toby. I, I could see it being something like... I don't even know. Like Toby's meeting with somebody. He's only talked to through text, like an Archer Dunhill type or somebody. Mm, I feel like you're defending Toby. I don't think Toby's as capable to be. Maybe it's all an act. Like, you know, it's the Kaiser Sose ending. So you think Toby's just like been playing a dunce for. It turns out I don't really talk like this. What if Toby starts speaking of a British accent? <laughs> speaking of a British accent. be amazing. Yeah, so at the commercial, uh, Toby's <laughs> he's in the apartment now, the burner apartment. He shuts the door with a very heavy sigh, and he's looking at Emily and Arya, and he's like, you want to tell me why you're here? He says, do we have to call the burner apartment? It's so <sighs> uncivilized. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Um, Emily says, Allison found a slip of paper with this address on it at her house. So we told her that we would check it out. <laughs> Do you still have this slip of paper? So they, they, Emily looks nervously to Aria, which thus completes this lie. And Aria's like, we left it with her? And Toby just sags here. Just like, Jesus fucking Christ, seriously. He's, he still has his gun out. You know, like he needs it. He's moving around the apartment a little. He's getting a look at like that wall with Wilden's face all over it. He almost looks like he's about to cry, like at the trouble that's been caused to him. And he finally looks back at the girls. He holsters his weapon. And Emily's like really trying hard to appear innocent here. But Arya just like has her arms crossed in indignation. Like, how dare you? Doesn't... Wouldn't Willen still be like a sore spot for the department? Like, wasn't he like essentially a disgraced police officer? Would Toby care? I don't know if Toby would care, but I was just thinking like, I don't know, for a brief moment, I started to like ponder like Toby and like the the nobility of the blue line and how this guy (laughs) let them down or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's uh, very likely. No. 
Not with cops. Um, so Toby says, you haven't been anywhere near near Malvern Station lately, have you? And Harry right, just blink, like blink, blinks. Blink, yeah. blink, blink, blink. <laughs> Emily kind of looks at Harry and she's like, no, why? Toby says, we found Rollins' car. A receipt for six months advance, advance rent on this place was in the glove box. Which is a little suspicious. Like, Mona didn't find that when yeah. she searched. Mode yeah. is pretty thorough. Also, I wanted Emily to like elbow Ari and be like, get that under control. And Ari's <laughs> like, what? Your face. She's like, I never could and never will. And Toby says, this guy's on the run. He's dangerous. What if he'd been hiding out here? And they're like, they just look away. Like they're really trying hard to seem contrite, but honestly, they don't care. And Toby's like, listen, my boss is waiting to hear from me. When he does, he's going to come by here with a couple of real detectives. He's going to comb through this place. You can't be here. They both nod. And he's like, did you touch anything? It's like, why? oh, Toby, they touch fucking everything. Why would they send Toby alone with no backup? Because he's expendable. <laughs> like the bomb squad takes one look at Toby and they're like, we want him. Because mostly because we can't afford one of those robots. I think HR is like, look, that guy's engaged. If he gets married, the benefits we're going to be paying out to him are going to be almost double. Like, that's going to eat into our budget. So, you know, if something happened to Toblerone, not the worst thing in the world. Just saying. And then then Detective Mark Walwer walks in. He's like, marriage is a good move for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, yeah. Did you touch anything? And then he's just like, um... So Arya just relents, and she kind of uncovers that stash that they found uh, on the coffee table. And Toby literally face palms at this point. Yes. Like, yes. what is the world coming to when Toby is face palming at you? Yeah, yeah. He like he has to look away for a moment and just like sigh because uh, these girls are incorrigible, and uh, he doesn't know the meaning of the word. He's like, <laughs> "You've got five minutes before I call it in." Uh, so they grab their shit and they go. And this last shot is we're like looking through the window of the apartment. May or may not be POV. It's like a classic liar shot here. Uh, and Toby's just like impotently sighing some more. He even flaps his arms. And as he's like just being frustrated through the window, we hear a woman humming. How great would it have been if the liars, you know, had first smartly tried to wipe down every fucking thing they touched? Mm-hmm. What if they then just grabbed up the evidence and ran out with that? <laughs> and Toby's like, wait a minute. And Emily's like, sorry, we're still in that five minute window. So they should have gonna... taken that cash for Allie. Yeah, she needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut to, cut to Mary Drake, the humming woman. She's uh, walking into the dark room there in the, the other rent's house. She's, she's uh, humming. She's in this nice all black silhouette coming from the light, just her face illuminated. And she flicks on a light to reveal herself in her, dark regal majesty um as she walks by in the foreground ali drifts in from the kitchen background and she's like i didn't hear you leave so mary pauses for a beat to modulate her expression then turns back look at ali oh i took a walk around the neighborhood after i ate there's a particular shade of blue in the evening sky settles me (laughs) ali should just be like what a completely insane thing to say but go on Fucking Barnabas Collins here. She's mm-hmm. like, have you eaten? I could heat up some of your friend's casserole. <laughs> Which, have we seen Mary Drake eating food? Does she only drink blood? Anyway. I was going to uh, say, have we seen her reflection? But I think we have. 
Yeah, we have, sadly, in the previous scene of her. Uh, Allison's like, the song you were humming, my mom used to sing that to me as a lullaby. Little Sparrow. Your mom and I used to fall asleep to that song. Your grandmother used to sing it to us. It came to mind while I was out walking. I don't know what brought that up. Though I suppose when I think about the lyrics. And Allie says, there's not a lot of birds out at night. The song is about love, Allison. About men and lies. Her affect is just fucking terrifying. It's like it's amazing. It's equal parts like maternal, bitter, brittle, and like over familiar. Like and, I've, yeah, like just like vengeful golem. I feel the like there's there's something here about like an older single person with emotions is just naturally scary to young people. Like there's something about her. It's like she's maternal, but she's also like a like a single woman. With like you know emotions of her own, and it's just terrifying. Well, and and emotions that have been shaped by bad experiences. Mm-hmm. It's like, like she's a, a stark sentinel from the future to remind these women that love can go horribly wrong. <laughs> I mean, her first episode this season, she talks about her lovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think for Allie, it's like it's like no somebody who looks like my mom can't can't be giving off this vibe. It's just like cognitive dissonance. You know, I don't know how to deal with this. Well, on top of that, looks like her mom, after her mom was deceased, we started to hear about Jessica stepping out more and more <laughs> in the past. Um, yeah, she's fascinating. But I, I feel like you're going to get the the Peter Hastings reveal or the something or other just because – Mary keeps talking about her past, her, yeah, her yeah. heartbroken, not just in a familiar way, but a romantic way, and her lovers that she couldn't remain friends with. And, you know, why was she coming to visit the Hastings in the first place? I think the term I was looking for was passion party. Oh, I thought you were going to say eventually. I really thought you were going to eventually just be like, rainbow party. No, that's a different kind of party. That's a different kind of party. Which I like that I, I found that inflection quite by surprise of myself when uh, <laughs> it's the same way you would say, the aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Mary's just about to start quoting this song to Allie here. And Allie's like really trying hard not to show how creeped out she is. Uh, she says, all you maidens heed my warning. Never trust the hearts of men. They will crush you like a sparrow, leaving you to never mend. And Allie, song. yeah, Allie's like, I obviously wasn't paying attention. Kind of explains a lot. And Mary says, I've made those same mistakes myself one time or another. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Allie, like she doesn't even know how to handle this. But then her phone rings. It's the Rosewood PD. She hits decline on it. She's trying to act casual in front of Mary. And Mary's just like, all right, I may read a little before bed. And Allie's like, good night. Mary says, good night. Sleeping in the same house as Mary Drake seems nuts. Well, just I would just, lock my fucking door, that's for sure. Like, what is what is her being there going to do to your dreams alone? I would hate to have my subconscious co-mingle in the same physical space of her. Mm-hmm. Though I partially kind of would love it, I think. Like a Shirley Jackson novel on Overdrive. But um, I so I, I, like I said, I, I mean, everything she has, there's such story that she drags with her like jacob marley drags his fucking chains um but i I didn't you know it occurs to me that i guess this could be the way she's modulating herself to allison like the i don't think it's all an act 
I guess. But yeah, it seems like there's some real hurt in her background, which is funny because the first episode of the season, I especially was just like, holy fuck, she's a dark, older, mirror version of Spencer. And like here, you you kind of feel it with Allison a little bit. Well, she's um, kind of like the cautionary tale, right? But she's quite possibly also like the real bridge between the uh, uh, the Hastings and De Laurentiis family, I feel Indeed. like. Indeed, yeah. In the, in the way that you can actually like look at it, like I rather than like that, that mistake, Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't even leave like fucking like Thailand or whatever to get his sister out of a mental hospital. Well, you know, he's in Ethiopia. Not, That's right, not, close, Ethiopia. To, not close to an airport. Anyway, um, where were we? Uh, they say goodnight. Mary kind of drifts away. And then as soon as she's gone, Allie pulls her phone back out and she calls that number that called her. And we hear uh, Marco Fury on the phone answer. He says, good evening. This is Detective Marco Fury, Rosewood Police Department. So then we cut to Marco in his office. He's looking through some paperwork and like a desk sergeant shows Allie in. Allie's like, Detective Fury, is that a real name? She's like, I didn't see you because you're only four feet tall. (laughs) He turns to her. He closes the file he's holding. And and Allie says, you've been assigned to lead the investigation. And Marco says, I thought it was time we met. And they shake hands. He says, thank you for coming in, Mrs. Rollins. And Allie's just like, Dillarentis, please. Which partially I feel like is uh, is something for the people who are still waiting for the flash forward to come into play. That makes it even less sense now. Like, there's no reason for her to still be going as Mrs. Rollins. Uh, anyway, like- yeah, Marco says, right, I'm sorry, please have a seat. And uh, so she takes a seat. He kind of leans over on the other side of the desk, which makes him sort of tower over her a little, even though he's fairly short. And he says, we got a call from your bank's branch manager. And he's like, I um, I told them to let me handle that. And he says, well, the amount of money in question requires mandatory reporting. I can only help if you let me. And she's, it's like she's tr- struggling not to be sullen here, but she's obviously very tired and very weary. And she says, I wasn't trying to make things difficult. I just, I was surprised. And he's like, I understand. He puts you through hell. I'm sure the news at the bank today was a little overwhelming. But it did help us work up a theory. We think that your husband targeted you for your money. It seems that he was passing himself off as a Dr. Rollins ever since Charlotte De Laurentiis was admitted to Welby. Nice fucking background check, Welby. Mm-hmm. Like, you just hire anyone? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, security is like Fort Knox. Yeah. And Ali says, all of it, just so that he could. And then Marco continues, says, after you were incapacitated in the psychiatric facility, he took off. An after-hours ticket kiosk at the Malvern station uh, recorded Rollins' purchase of a train ticket. And now we know what happened when he got off that train. And it's a pretty good poker face by Ali here. Like, she's kind of blinking a little when she talks. I don't think Marco's really picking up on it, though. She's like, oh, um... Where do you think where do you where do you think he is? And he says Elliot Rollins was last seen in Baltimore. Allie's like seen, and he says, well, a credit card under his assumed name was used to rent a car. And then like some reverb starts kicking in on the audio here. His voice is sort of echoing as he speaks, and we get these really close up shots, like directly on Allie or directly on Marco, uh, as this kind of like weird development unfolds, like definitely unlooked for. Uh, saying, it was like this heightened reality as they as they talk. Yeah. Driver is then later captured on a traffic cam heading west on Interstate 70, still waiting for a positive ID from the rental agent. 
And Allie's like, I mean, he could be anywhere now. Uh, and Marcus says, well, we shared his plate information and description with the local authorities and highway patrols. Far west is Denver. And Allie's face right now is just like, holy shit, am I so crazy? Like, we killed that guy, right? Like, act normal, bitch. Keep it together. And Marco's like, Mr. Laurentis, this guy, he's turned your life upside down now. I won't stop until we find him. Which I love, like, that promise is, like, no comfort to Allie because he's supposed to be fucking dead. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really love the way these last few shots are filmed here. It's it's all, like, it's shot reverse shot dialogue, but the camera is placed where the other actor would be mm-hmm. instead of over their shoulder. And so it's just, like, directly looking at one actor or the other. Like, I I really love this style. Um, I think the Coen brothers do this a lot. I kind of wish shows would do it more. I know it's probably not as economical to shoot this way, but it's really off-putting in a wonderful way mm-hmm. to get these like direct looks at each other here. I I kind of wonder if there is going to be like shades of like a, a diabolique like plot with uh, with Rick. Mm, okay. Like, are we going to start to ponder briefly that Rick might actually somehow still be alive? I mean, could he be? He did a header through the windshield, but and buried him. And then, and then, oh shit! Rick has a twin brother. He's not, or, not the first person to get bonked on the head and climb out of the grave, potentially. Yeah, for real. I mean, he'd be the least interesting person to get bonked on the head and climb <laughs> out of their own grave. But like, I mean, you are living in a world where anyone could potentially have a doppelganger, <laughs> or just masks. I, yeah. I I suspect that's what it's going to be. It's that AD is uh, setting them up somehow by making it appear that Rick is still alive. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Also, like, I mean, a lot of people, including me, we got an email just today from Catherine who who asked, you know, what's up with Caleb lately? Caleb's not around. <laughs> he could be in, uh, in uh, where was it? Uh, Interstate 70, renting cars and uh, under Rick's he's name. Caleb? Yeah, there's always a possibility. Right, no, it's not really Caleb. He's, ca- he's camping. Camping. Got to work through some stuff. Yeah. Uh, so then we're going to go to the brew. Emily's ordering some late night coffee for the girls at the register. You know, two red eyes, one of those lat- lattes with soy. She says, thanks. The barista takes her order and the barista looks away for a moment, which allows Emily to just walk away without pain. Uh, <laughs> she looks over and she spots Sabrina with like a clipboard by the bookshelves. And it's like, oh, it's time to talk. So she comes over. She says, hey, can I interrupt? Sabrina says, hey, uh, Yeah. And he says, I know I said I would call, but I thought I'd better do this in person. Sabrina's like, yeah. <laughs> and he says, listen, when I saw you earlier today and Sabrina jumps in, she says, I was a complete weirdo. I get it. You don't have to, we don't have to have the talk. And Emily's like, no, Sabrina, I was in a rush. And Sabrina says, really, there's zero obligation. It was just a date. It was a first date. I mean, it was good. And he's like, okay, look, 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 I'm not here to have the talk. I just wanted to ask you out again. And Sabrina's like, oh. Okay, um, yeah, that is that is much better than a call. I'm free on Saturday, and then he's like, "Great." So uh, she smiles, and Sabrina is obviously very relieved and pretty into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Sabrina is a theories. I don't know. Do they get a little more real here? It's always possible, or that she might just be a genuine human being. <laughs> I guess there's something about the reaction here. We've we've seen Sabrina before, and she seems like a pretty confident person. But the way she reacted with Emily here reminded me a lot of Mona, I guess, where, like, occasionally when somebody could actually, like, break through to Mona to that kind of, like, 
you know, insecure center, Mona would kind of act this way. I, uh, I think Sabrina is definitely confident when she's, you know, getting to know Emily, when she's revealing who she is before she, you know, was hurt by Emily the first time. But I think she's at a point now where it's like she spent a night like really letting Emily in and probably having a great first date and like just allowing herself to truly let Emily at like the most vulnerable parts of herself. And so like maybe Sabrina, like there could be something there. So I could see where. You know, like this would be a genuine moment of being like panic and concern that Emily doesn't like her, that she read all that wrong. Um, I suppose like a, that would be a normal person's reaction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my counterpoint would just be to point out that there's an A right next to her face behind her. Well, there's probably an A right next to a lot of people's faces <laughs> continuously because they're mischievous on that set. I, I um, like the idea of Sabrina's A just because she's definitely been around for a while. You could – Spin all kinds of theories about how she's like secretly Bethany Young or whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not, you know, no suspicions have ever been cast on her by the liars. True. Which is what you want in a, in a good A. Up until what, like right before the end when you, you when you do have suspicion and it's immediately like, like withdrawn or proven to be false and then <laughs> surprise, it really is her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is funny because I want to say – what for the first nine episodes of season six, we never even talked about Charlotte or Cece, right? Well, that's just because we didn't think they're going to go there, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Emily, she's pleased with herself. She finally goes back to pay for her coffee, but this time as she's walking by in the background, we see that previously empty liar nook has now been occupied by some sour girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, sour Harvey is staring right at Emily. Emily happens to look over and is immediately just like, ugh. <laughs> like shower like waves a gloved hand at Emily, like this total shit eating grin on her face. Yes. And I feel like Emily's just annoyed until she realizes that uh, that brunette across from shower is unfolding a white cane. That's Jenna thing. Well, yeah, Emily's just like, oh no, oh fuck. This mm-hmm. has to hit Emily with the heat of a thousand supernova suns. This is this is Michael Scott screaming his soul out at the news <laughs> that Toby's returning like at times a thousand. Um, so the barista returns with her coffee. Emily thanks and pays as Sarah leads Jenna over holding a bunch of shopping bags. And Sarah's actually holding them mm-hmm. uh, full on smirking. They went shopping together. It's so awesome. What did they buy each other? Gloves. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sarah and says. Oh, Sarah says, that's a lot of coffee. Late night study session. And Emily turns like she's getting ready to choke a bitch here. Uh, everything Sarah Harvey says is like it's tinged with like malevolence and insecurity. I was mm. thinking about this the other day. It's kind of like she's channeling like Joe Bluth here. Mm. Like there's something about her affect, which is just like kind of manic and nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Emily's also a little confused. And Sarah clarifies, I heard you were finishing up at col- finishing up college at Hollis. How did you hear that? And then Jenna chimes in with, Toby mentioned it. Must feel good to come home and finish what you started. And Jenna smirks and uh, Sarah Harvey there is just like staring without blinking very unnervingly. Well, Jenna, like almost as much or maybe even quite a bit more so than Allison, her words are always dipped in venom and subtext. (laughs) Well, then she does a move where she kind of leans closer to Sarah here. Almost intimately close. And she kind of like tugs on her arm and she's like, I should get back to the hotel. Good night. 
And so Sarah just smiles at Jenna and then just totally sneers at Emily somewhere. It's as though she just stole Emily's girlfriend, yeah. which is definitely not how Emily feels about Jenna. <laughs> like no. for some reason, Sarah thinks this is like a coup, you know? Yeah. And she leads Jenna out of there. And Emily's got this really like concerned, curious look on her face. Just like, I don't even know what to think of this. I don't know what, what to even think of this fucking weird ass development. I, also, for what did the long, they buy? What did they go shopping for? For the longest time, I always figured it would be Hannah who delivers the first actual expletive on the show. <laughs> but this is the moment where I wanted Emily just to yell at them, eat shit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I watched this scene and I thought to myself, 100% Jenna and Sarah go fuck. Well, they, I mean, they're definitely flirty. They're very flirty with each other. Well, I like, think this is, what is this? Showerbot? Is that what we're calling this? I don't know how I feel about that. But like mm. they were they were calling her shower bot before Jenna even showed up. Oh, there's still Jenna bot though from before. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. But like the level to which they freaked Emily the fuck out has to be like the greatest of aphrodisiacs to them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I love I love that uh, uh, Jacob pointed out that like this pair show it's like it's less about guilt and more about the terrifying possibility of helplessness. <laughs> like because you know we talked about how Sarah was kind of your new Jenna. She she they're definitely was trying the, to make her that way. Yeah, the living avatar of something they felt like they did wrong or could be used against them. And now here's the two of them, and they might be getting cozy. Well, Sarah's hands and Jenna's smarts they could be a dangerous adversary. It's like you don't even need Spike because you got Drew and Drew. <laughs> <laughs> So at the uh, commercial, Hannah's meeting up with Allie in Spencer's barn. Hannah says, Rollins stole from you? And Allie says, I'm completely broke. You took everything. And we pan over to see Emily's like right there next to Allie comforting her. Mm-hmm. And Emily's like, this just keeps getting worse. And Spencer appears because she's here too. She says, guys, we deliberately pointed the cops towards Philly. And then uh, she's kind of sitting on the back of the couch as Hannah's facing behind her. And then cut to Arya on the couch, too. Like, the gang's all here. I like how they're each introduced, like, one at a time. Like, we don't know who's in the scene until they've all shown up. Yeah. And uh, Spencer says, that's where this trail is supposed to end. So this means, and Hannah's like, somebody knows. Somebody knows what I did. And Arya says, Hannah, you're not alone in this. I want partial credit for that murder. No. Also, I still look amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Hannah's almost hyperventilating now. She's like, I'm going to be sick. So she takes off for the bathroom. Spencer goes after her, which is a nice little moment, you know. Mm-hmm. They they may uh, have some some issues between them, but Spencer's going to go hold her hair while she pukes. That's nice of her. And Allie's just like, God, when she panics like that, I can't even think. <laughs> Thanks, well, Allie. Like, concern or annoyance? Or <laughs> a little both. bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> and then Arya's phone rings, and Allie just glares at her. Because I, I think the liars must have, like, a policy to silence your cell phone during meetings. And Arya's just, like, flouting that policy, policy. And she's just like, sorry. It's just, I'll put it on vibrate. Allison's like, that's really unprofessional, Arya. Mm-hmm. It's really unprofessional, Arya. And then Big is like, I don't believe in silencing your cell phone. So uh, Emily's pacing. Yeah. Yeah. Internalizing all this. Yeah. Um, and Arya's like, is Mary Drake behind this? Is she trying to let the cops know that the whole trail we set up was fake? Um, and Allison's like, I honestly don't think so. I mean, she's been at the hospital the past few days helping me get out. I don't think she had time to go to Baltimore. So he's like, what about Sarah and Jenna? Are we shipping that? I mean, who even knew Sarah Harvey was still in town? 
And Arya says, maybe Sarah is keeping an eye on us for Jenna. And Ali's like, that could be why she's been here all this time. Sure. And Arya's just like, it's too strange a coincidence. The two people with the biggest axe to grind against us are, are, are teaming up to chop up our alibi to bits. And he says, we'd know for sure it was them if someone had showed up at the apartment today. And Arya's like, yeah, well, Toby's squad car probably scared him away. Or it was Toby himself showing up to the meeting. Like, oh, they don't even yeah. consider that. Uh, Allie's hearing all this and you can kind of see the wheels turning. She's starting to feel a little guilty. And she says, okay, I didn't tell you guys earlier, but I really screwed up today. And Emily kind of shoots a look to Arya who just shrugs like, I don't know. So (laughs) Emily sits and listens to Allie. Allie says, Jenna showed up at the house asking for Elliot. And now I think she knows that we're onto her. And Arya's phone vibrates again and she checks it. And it's the text from Ezra. It says, we need to talk. And Allie says, thanks to me, she knows about the burner phone. And I'm pretty sure she can figure out that she wouldn't just give it to us without a fight. And Arya's phone vibrates again. She stands up. She's like, you guys, um, it's Ezra. And we see the text on the phone says, I am, you know, at sign the brew. I'm at the brew. Can you come by now? Arya's like, something happened today. I had to go. And then wonderfully, delightfully, Ali says, really, right now, Arya, like, like, really, really, bitch, really, right now, right now, Arya, you got to go. And Arya's just like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to go. And she just takes off. And Ali's just glaring because what the fuck, Arya? Seriously, Mm -hmm. Ezra, right now, you're just going to you're going to leave the liar meet up to go go fucking talk to Ezra right now. Yeah, she is. It's like it's like Allison's finally putting up with the shit that the other liars had to put up for four seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Arya Lee's Emily's feeling guilty. Cause I think Emily must realize that, or at least she thinks this is about Nicole. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she says, Allie, she's like, Oh, it's fine. And Allie's like glaring some more. And then she realizes she's got way bigger shit to worry about. And so we fade into a music montage here with that creepy fucking litter, little sparrow song. Uh, being sung through it mm-hmm. uh, is really the perfect music to set the tone for the hashtag PLL proposal. I would say, uh, yeah. So, Little Sparrow, I just I feel like it's a it's an interesting choice going into the scene we're going into. Like maybe it's something you could look back on later, or or much like um, the cover of uh, the Police song in the <laughs> 100th episode, which was also a Norbuck episode. I I I kind of wonder if this is one of his touches. I know he's very involved in the music using his episodes. So, yeah. So this creepy ass song is playing. Um, did I put the lyrics in here? I don't think I did, but you know, never trust the hearts of men and all that. Mm-hmm. And then we pan over. It's Spencer's dark room in her barn there. She walks up to her bed she's barefoot and she pauses like she's about to go to sleep, but then, she just leans against the door, staring at her bed, and eventually just turns around and goes back to the couch. It's like she she can't even sleep in her bed because uh, um, Caleb is missing. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you noticed there was a photo that Troyan posted not long ago mm-hmm. of uh, Spencer's nightstand in one of the episodes they're filming. Yeah, I, I did notice that, yeah. Did you notice the little Goya dog print is in the frame by the bed? Oh, it is. I did not notice that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like is not as simple as you might think it could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. That could mean a lot of things. Uh, so, yeah, then fade to the loft. Hannah, she's, like, taking off her fake engagement ring and kind of contemplating it. And she quickly puts it back on because Emily comes over to give her a glass of water. 
Uh, she's on her couch there too. It's like it's like some span of solidarity right now. They're both gonna like take the couch because mm-hmm. they're they're feeling bad. And Emily tucks a blanket over Hannah and strokes her hair, comforting. And this is a nice little moment here for the two of them. Yeah. And uh, then we're gonna go to Allie's room. She's carrying some sheets over to her bed, so like she's got to like change the bed sheets. She doesn't want to smell Rick. And then she stops because her her boudoir is partially open. So she opens it and looks inside, and uh, there's that red jacket you may remember from earlier. It's in a dry cleaning bag, and Allie's just like, oh, that's weird. She frowns and takes it out, kind of like gaping as she realizes like the implication of like why this is here, you know. And she looks at the tag on the, the little dry cleaner bag, and it's a note from A. It says, your friends gave me your dirty jacket, but I couldn't find a shred of evidence, A.D. So interesting. So that is certainly going to help their friendship with Allie. Um, so does this suggest that AD was the one who texted Rollins to say that Allie was innocent? Isn't it Rick who sent out the text saying, I don't think that Allison killed Charlotte? No, that was a text sent to his burner phone. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Hmm. I mean, so presumably he's meeting with AD. It's not like you know Rick is just meeting with some random person. It's like presumably he's meeting with AD. I, I kind of get the feeling that AD is like a puppet master here controlling things. I don't know if AD is actually meeting with anyone. I mean, if I were AD, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I would want to keep everyone else doing my dirty work for me as much as possible. Yeah. Um, well, we, we it's funny is we haven't seen the person in the back of the car. The, the For now, I'm going to say the limo. Sure. For most likely, yeah. Uh, was also a person who liked to use masks, but was that Rick? Well, we just don't know, dude. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's try to get through this before fucking Skype cuts out on us again. Uh, so we're going to fade to Arya. She's uh, entering the darkened brew, and she's like, Ezra? Uh, does she have like a key to this place now? I'm sure she does. I or mean, they just never lock it. Yeah. Uh, she closes the door behind her and walks right past the amateurs book display in the foreground. Uh, and then she's looking around concerned. She stops. She's like, Ezra? No answer. So she cautiously goes around to the stairs uh, and heads up to his apartment. And this is where one of our uh, friends on Twitter, Rebecca with a W, suggested that this is where the episode could end like Passions did. Uh, that mm-hmm. old Buffy episode. Where- yes. Arya goes up there and it's just a fucking dead Ezra body. That would be awesome. Uh, but we're not that lucky. I mean, you know, this is also like poor Arya, like walking up to her own demise, too, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's supposed to be romantic because inside Ezra's apartment, Arya finds 50 million lit candles. She's looking around, smiling nervously. Uh, we first glimpse Ezra looming in the frame over her shoulder in the background, like a real horror movie villain. He's dressed up now in his fancy dinner jacket, smiling at her like a goon. And she's just like, you look. And she's like, confused? And he's like, oh, I was going to say beautiful. And Arya's like, what's going on? And Ezra says, well, I'm going to talk. Um for a little bit at least, and then you're going to listen. And then it'll be your turn to talk. Mr. Teacher. Wow, being given instructions on when to listen and when to talk is so fucking romantic. Um, And, like, there's this kind of, there's this guilt about the Nicole thing hanging over Arya during this scene. Mm -hmm. And Ezra's unaware of it, but it's going to completely ruin the moment for Arya here, which I love. 
Uh, and it makes Ezra seem super passive aggressive because I think in Arya's mind, she's like, does Ezra know about that call I deleted? Why is he being so weird? He wants to talk and I have to listen. You know, So like it kind of like it, it just like it's like a big wet fart through this whole scene ruining the romance, at least for me. Uh, you shouldn't have wet farts around that many candles. <laughs> no. Uh, so Ezra says, you told me once. A long time ago when you were in a high school student and I was your teacher, uh, that you couldn't imagine your life without me. And I told you that I wanted you in mine and that we would we would figure something out as soon as you were legal. And Arya's watching all this unfold with this polite smile, like her guard's totally up. And he says, and then we spent years apart, a world apart. Five years later, you walked into the door and after all that time, it felt like it felt like the last flat stretch of track on a roller coaster ride right before it comes to a stop where your stomach's slipping out and your knees are weak because you can breathe again because all the excitement is over. Mm. Uh, that's when I knew I want you in my life, Arya, for the rest of my life. I don't ever want to let you go. I feel like there's a subtle like criticism of the shipper mentality here. How do you mean? Well, I mean, he's basically uh, the the idea that now that the excitement is over and everything is smooth sailing and there's no dramatic issues for us to deal with, you know. <laughs> well, to be fair, I did add in some lines of my own to that monologue there. Still, I mean, that's basically what he's saying. I mean, <laughs> like he doesn't say the excitement is over. I put that in myself. But I mean, even as I was watching the episode, you know, with the actual dialogue, that's what I was thinking. Well, it's yeah, like, I was, I was going to ask you about the metaphor here. I... I can see where he's going with it. You know, the it's it's over, it comes to a stop. But at the same time, it's hard not to think about like, so you're saying I'm the end of the roller coaster ride. Yeah. yeah. He's like, look, we both sowed our wild oats. I killed mine in a foreign country. Let's get hitched. Also, I want that ring on your finger so you can't testify against me. Yeah. Let's get married and then just wait to die. A husband and wife can't be convicted of the same crime. That's not true at all. <laughs> I got the worst fucking lawyers. Yeah. So he starts to kneel. He's reaching into his pocket, and there's a cool, like, nice profile shot of this. The room's totally dark except for these candles. This is classic uh, Norman Buckley Ezra scene here. It's just like drenched in foreboding. Mm-hmm. And Ari's like, Ezra. And he's like, wait, I have just one more thing to say. And he pulls the ring box out and he holds it up, and he's like, Arya Marie Montgomery. And he opens the box to like reveal the ring inside. Will you marry me? And Arya's face is just like, I've made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just stares at him. She can't find the words. And then we cut to black. I I want to say I'm not just, you know, reading what I want into the scene. It seems like no is at least a strong potential here. Like she oh, doesn't yeah. this isn't like, yes, I will, Ezra. You know, it's like, ah, I wasn't prepared for this, you know? Or you know, I think we pick up with the scene in two weeks and she's about to say yes. And like Nicole bursts in the door right then. <laughs> Covered in leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think no is a strong potential. I think she's going to be like, look, Ezra, uh, bro, I'm 23. Mm-hmm. You're 45. I'm not about the married life right about now. Also, Three nights ago, I murdered a guy, I co-murdered a guy. I want to take more credit for it than I actually did. I totally buried a body. <laughs> also, your uh, your missing girlfriend, fiance, called, and I just deleted the the, the message because yeah. I didn't want you to know about it. That too. I don't know. I mean, 
I don't want to see these guys get married. At least, at the very least, I mean, yes, they're adults now. Whatever, you know, all predatory bullshit aside, she's twenty three. I feel like Ari would be like, "Sure, we'll have a five year engagement." You know, like, yeah. there's no rush. Um, yeah, because yeah, uh, you know, legally speaking, there's no reason to. Exactly. Uh, anyway, we got one more thing. Sort of an A tag, not totally. It's a kind of a dark figure moving through the Radley lobby. You can't see the, who this is. And uh, nearby, we can hear Sarah Harvey talking. This has to be our last round. And this person in the foreground, he walks over to where Jenna and Sarah are sharing a couch in the Radley lobby, drinking some cocktails. And Jenna says, so a toast to friends new and old. And she holds up her glass, and we see Shower grab a drink of her own. But this, there's still one drink left on the tray. Who's the extra for? And then we hear Noel Khan say, babes and booze. It's like you're expecting me. Oh, shit. No Khan. He was the dude we were following. And then Jenna, just to let us know who he is, says, Noel Khan. <laughs> and he smiles and he's just like, did you miss me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did, Noel Khan. Oh, God. There's an episode coming up called The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Yeah, and they cheers and drink. Oh, yeah, Nolkan is back. He's got kind of short hair because he's busy shooting uh, that Fifty Shades Grey sequel. Yep. Who is he in that? I know he's a character named Sawyer. I have no idea who that is because I you know, have no knowledge of the, the series or anything. Like, is a, he like a romantic rival or something? Not a, I mean, hopefully he's got to be a character who's less creepy than the dude from uh, The Fall, right? Well, I know he had to get like super cut because he's yeah. all like totally buff now. Hmm. he's got to be like more more ripped than the dude from the fall like i wonder is this like the team jacob guy or something i don't know that's that's who i assume he is just because who else would he uh, be good good point yeah i mean <laughs> he's got to be more cut than the irish patrick bateman by now yeah mm-hmm. um aria don't just stare at it sorry um, <laughs> oh yeah no more rick i'm bummed i don't get to do patrick bateman voice anymore <laughs> i'm R-I-C. sure We'll find a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, next week, Wanted, Dead or Alive. Or, sorry, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is that, like for the DNC or something? <laughs> is it? Is it not next week? Is there a week break between the two conventions? I huh. think it's next week. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Did you miss me? Yes, we did. No con. So uh, that was the episode. Cut to black. No con's back in town. He's working with Jenna possibly or maybe just meeting them we you know we never know um, well i feel like the third drink means that his his arrival was expected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um do i need to go re-edit my shower video now for when she dies in the next episode oh you got to put in some stuff of jenna for sure well i feel like the are you a sour girl kind of belongs in there yeah oh you guys it's a good video I gotta read. I mean, it's it's already on Google. It's just private. I'm just waiting to post it. But uh, she hasn't died yet. But I don't think she's gonna last long. And sadly, I, I think this romance is doomed. I think you absolutely need to put in the shot of her waving <laughs> in the liar's nook. One hundred percent. That needs to happen. Yeah. Um. So all the OGs are coming back to town. But where I mean, the, this where is the fuck is Ren? This is absolutely the ending from Wild Things right here. Or they're going to be like like a scene from Wild Things. Nolcon's just like after tonight, we can't be seen together again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Showers absolutely Nev Campbell. Is uh, she? I th- I think so. And Jenna's somehow a Denise Richards. 
don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know if that metaphor holds up. I think I think Jenna is a Nev Campbell. I don't think Sarah is a Denise Richards, though. I don't think that. that All works. I'm saying is I don't want to even think on who on PLO will be the Kevin Bacon. Well, wouldn't that just be like Wilden or maybe Toby? I'm Toblerone hanging so dog. Toby. Cut the, cut the Toby getting out of the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was thinking about that scene with Arya. Like, what is she like? She's just like, I demand pie to celebrate this engagement. So they have to go leave Ezra's apartment to go get some pie. And then it burns down because of all those lit candles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I hope I paid the insurance guy. Uh, is Spobie Spoby, like Spoby together. I mean, could they be? Spencer's been shady. There's still the text from 701 that Spencer sent out, and it looked like Toby received. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. So that was the episode. Yeah. Next week, we're doing, uh, what was it? Wanted Dead or Alive? Yeah. 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 Two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Uh, Getting a week so off, guys. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us uh, at broswatchpll2 on Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpll2.com. I uh, got a couple of reviews in iTunes I wanted to mention. Thanks to Logan Loftus and HBO11 in the USA and Annalise700 in Canada. Always appreciate getting those reviews. We're over 300 star ratings in iTunes in the US now. That's pretty awesome. Cool. Um, was there one more thing you wanted to talk about, Marco? Uh, so we had a couple questions lately about um, something we had posted a few weeks ago. Some people were curious about uh, a little script we wrote, what we did of our hiatus. Um, how so we spent our summer vacation. How yeah. we spent our summer vacation, which indeed is how we spent our summer vacation. Yeah, there was um, a little bit of interest out there in the world, uh, some some discussion, nothing concrete, nothing firm. So by all means – Contact your local state representative and <laughs> or person in the industry. Um, but yeah, we we wrote a pilot. We wrote a Bible. We wrote out an outline for a first season for a show, which we'll just say now is called Trouble. Yeah, um, I think we say it's originally called My Name is Trouble. But we don't want to confuse people because that's the title of the PLL episode. But it's um, a very fitting title for for the show. Um, yeah, don't want to go too much into plot details, but it's uh, I think you'd say it's in the tradition of like Buffy or Veronica Mars or PLL, similar type of vibe. Um, I'd love uh, to say more, but uh, I would love to kind of have to keep something secret for now. But yeah, we got some irons in the fire on that, some some interest and some talks. Um, Not enough yeah. irons in the fire, of course, but I mean it. it very safely, very vaguely, I would say it's kind of a little bit about the intersection between fiction and reality and how one would craft an identity in that space. Um, someone asked me if it was uh, if it featured strong female characters, people of color, or any any representation for the LB like GQ uh, TQ uh, crowd. Uh, yes, yes, and not yes. exactly. Well, yes. I mean, it's going to be a yes, no matter what. Um, I would go ahead and say that we, we never wrote anyone to be specifically any skin color. Yeah, yeah. I kept it That's, vague, just, you yeah. know, open casting to whoever. But I mean, we'd be very excited if it was not a completely white cast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's about, you know, high school students and secrets and lies and... Uh, and trouble. And trouble. Lots of trouble. And uh, 
thank you to the few people who might have noticed in every pretty much every episode that we've done for season seven of PLL, we've talked or we've dropped some subtle reference to trouble. Sometimes not so subtle, but yeah, uh, in case anyone is curious, it's uh, I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea. It's not like actively in production right now or anything, but uh, like I said, some irons in the fire. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we really like it. So, uh, yeah, sorry, can't we, tell you more. I mean, basically, one of the genesis is we we saw the end of PLL coming and we wanted to write something that how did you put it best? There's a, the rise of the difficult men. You know, and those characters that we idolize, the Tony Sopranos, the John Drapers and stuff like the the Walter Whites. And we wanted to write a character who was like that, uh, potentially to be iconic like that, but was a woman, especially a young woman with power of her own. And that's that's what really excited us, I think. Yeah. So that is that. Um, we will certainly try to entertain any questions on that as best we can. Uh, but uh, otherwise, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, I guess. Got a week off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Until then, have fun, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bye-bye.